Zuck, 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 Zuck. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Thursday, September 20th, 2012. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 445. This is No Agenda. Struggling with Skype, but on the air nonetheless from Obama's backyard, Chicago, Illinois. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I'm just staying put while reading the New York Times, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> oh, it sounds so crappy today. They say you sound tinny on the stream. Yeah. Well, and maybe it's because I'm talking out of my butt. Uh, and what, so what's new? Well, you know, this is not the, uh, here, let me try this. This is not the lovely setup that I had on the road. Uh, this oh. is, no, of course not. That was like, you know, that was like, like multiple. Right, this is in a suitcase. That yeah, was, you, this were, is, you were all rigged. Yeah, your, your normal yeah. rig actually was on the road. Yeah, no, yeah. this is the internet in a suitcase. So basically right. I run everything on one single uh, machine. Because I, you know, the other one it had multiple monitors. It had uh, what else did it have? You know, it had like the whole the whole big thing, the whole shebang. Yeah, it had. You know, it, it wouldn't fit in three suitcases. So, uh, so this is, uh, yeah. And also, when I talk, I hear a little delay. So I hear my my voice a millisecond later than it comes out of my pie hole. That's not. That's got to be annoying. <laughs> uh, but I've done a little bit of the filtering here, so it should work. Anyway, uh, in the morning to you, John C. Dvorak. Well, in the morning to you, Adam Curry. In the morning to all ships at sea, boots on the ground, subs in the water, feet in the air, and all the knights out there who patiently wait. Yeah, hell yeah, and for uh, our words of wisdom. Yes, and thank you uh, all of the uh, human resources in the chat room at noagendastream.com, dot noagenda. Uh, chat.net who have been uh, helping us troubleshoot for the past uh, half hour to get <laughs> to get everything sounding kind of decent um uh, right now we're running i'm in uh i'm in a hotel here uh kind of in the you know, near chicago avenue and uh, state street in wow uh, you're right downtown yeah yeah and of course you know the hotel why rent a car no 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 we're just no we're just it, we're walking i did a speech yesterday i'm here for the cusp conference that's yeah, the, somebody uh, said, hey, Adam's on, he's streaming right now. But oh, they, I, I oh, they streamed it? it? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't realize yeah, I that. I missed it. I, I, it came in as a tweet, but I, was, oh. I, I missed it. Oh, I didn't realize that. When That's I a- went, to the, when I went to, the, to, the, to the stream, I, it was some people doing ice dancing. <laughs> no, 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 they were jump roping. <laughs> ice dancing. Yeah, no, it was jump roping. That's right. Then you missed me. You, that was right after I was done. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, yeah, jump man. roping to some canned <laughs> music and sucked. Let me, let me, t- no, no, no. Let me tell you about this conference. Now, th- you remember Chuck and Dana, who we stayed with on the last, on the, on the first Hot Pockets tour, when uh, yes, I don't. Right, and, yes, you don't exactly. Well, Chuck had he actually had a real harp, and we had the real harp playing in the. Maybe you a remember that. Harp? No, uh, like a, a classical harp. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, so you know they were really sweet, and we stayed with them for a few days. And uh, Chuck works for this company, Symbolic or Symbolic, which is a design company. And uh, apparently, they've been putting on this conference for the past five years, and it's literally like a TED, but without the stigma and the and the bullshit elitism. And uh, so it's like TED, but without the stigma and the bullshit elitism. 
So there's well, no there's nothing there's, like Ted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and they literally say, you know, any and the, and it's the three partners of this firm they get up on stage and say, well, hey, everybody, you know, the people we've invited to here to inspire you, we have no idea what they're going to say. They're probably going to offend somebody at some point, and uh, it's all going to fucking suck. Literally, that's how they talk. And then and then, but it's it's done at the Museum of Contemporary Art. It's really high tech. They got you know a great uh, AV setup, beautiful theater. And the and the the presenters were just outstanding, and just uh, I we were blown away. Mickey was supposed to go shopping at Topshop, and she stayed you know in her seat for six hours yesterday, just watching everything. So what'd you learn? Um, I learned. Oh man, well uh, let me. T- I learned three things. No, no, listen. One, the guy before me, the speaker before me, was Wendell Potter, and you don't. Rem- you don't. Rem- I'm not even going to ask you. Uh, he wrote the book Deadly Spin, which I read somewhere in 2010, I think, and that was the book that led me. He's the um, the former health- Cigna healthcare guy who uh, turned around and wrote the book and said, "Hey, everyone's like just screwing you in this healthcare business." Remember this guy? Yeah. So uh, he was the one that inspired me to go look at all of the um, uh, PowerPoint presentations of the pharmaceutical companies when we discovered that vaccines was going to be their next big push. So, that, so then he was speaking before me. So it was like a total perfect setup for me to talk about no agenda because he was like, hey, you know, everyone's lying to you and <laughs> the health is lying to you. And the healthcare guys are in the sickness business. It's the sickness industry. And it was fantastic. The guy is really cool. Um, but even funnier than that, um, <laughs> do you remember the uh, Indian comedians that the State Department spent you know, like $180,000 on to send them around a tour of India? Yeah. Yeah, these guys were here. One of them was speaking. <laughs> you do stand up? Yeah, yeah, stand up. And, 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 and the guy, and what's worse is the guy's like, hey, Adam, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm like, oh, shoot, man. And like, after we ragged on these guys, <laughs> I felt really bad. Maybe he knew you ragged on him, and so he said that just to get your goat. No, I didn't. Yeah, I, they had no idea. They had no idea. I did tell him, though. I came clean. I said, hey, you know, we really ragged on that whole scam you guys pulled off. He said, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, all right. And uh, who else was here? I mean, it's it's very interesting. So I've, I've definitely learned some some cool things uh, at the uh, at the conference. I guess it's online. Then maybe there's a, a video of it. You can see it. But I definitely talked about our podcast, John. I didn't just take all the props myself, like you usually expect me to do. So I have to tell you something because you're gonna you're gonna it's gonna begin to annoy me. I don't know how you're working the mic, but you have a lip smack. At the end of occasional sentences, you so you say something, really, and then you hear, yeah. Now I believe it's it's the mic or the way you're working the mic. <laughs> it's because I've never heard this before. It's from my you. it's my lips. But you keep saying something. No, no, that's just what you're hearing. That's definitely I'm, not I'm, me. I'm not. Bob, ring right. the bell when I hear it, and then you can decide for yourself. Uh, no, that wasn't it. I'm. I don't think I'm lip smacking. Did you hear it there? No. Well, okay. So, um, anyway, so of course the pain in the ass of doing this is that uh, you know I'm here on the show day, and I'm uh, and I'm in the hotel, and it's going to be this way for the next couple of weeks because after this, well, I think Sunday is a normal a normal show from Camp Mofo. Then it's uh, Miss Mickey's turn. She's got her uh, her you know her her big art show. So we're going to go to Los Angeles first. That'll be next week, Thursday and Sunday. 
That would be a thrill. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, what doing the shows there, or or uh, or doing no, the going there? Yeah. Well, it's hey, the- while you're at the, while you're down there, you should go check in at the uh, studios. I'm going to check in the studios. I'm also going to try and get on the Joe Rogan show. That's what I've been wanting to yes, do. Yes, yes, so get on the Joe Rogan yeah. show. We both need to do that. All right, and then after that, I'm going to go. Uh, we're going to D.C. for her second show, and then finally somewhere after that, uh, you know, like uh, first week, uh, end of the first week of October, we're back. So it's going to be a little, uh, a little weird, and uh, it's just, it just makes it weird. I'm going to see if I can fix what's going on with the, with the lip smacking. Well, it hasn't happened again. Maybe it was, uh, I don't know. You know what it is? We're, we're, we're just so uh, spoiled because we used to have crappy connections all the time back in the day. Right. And, you yeah. know, and it's still kind of amazing what's actually taking place. And we would not want to miss an episode to bring you the best podcast in the universe. That's why we are proudly here. Uh, bringing you uh, episode four. Yes, we go out of our way. I mean, we have missed shows. I mean, we took two days off once in five years. Uh, but generally speaking, we managed to get these shows produced even when we're floating around the world. Yep. And the worst case scenario, of course, was you were on some island. Uh, that was really the absolute worst, yeah, when I was on Bonaire. That's that would, a, that's that would have bad. to be, yeah. Yeah, that's been bad. This is a second close, though. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's not far off from being pretty bad. Anyway, um, up, up, up. you got the lip smack? Yep. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm lip smacking. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a new habit. I think it's, it's, it's the health. You ate. Was it strawberries or was it so much? It's the Haldol. <laughs> I've gotten two offers for Haldol. Do not take it. <laughs> What, what are you, my dad now? I can't decide yes, if I want I to am. take... You said so once before. Well, I can't... Well, Daddy, I want to try Haldol. It sounds so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I won't take it on the show. I just want to try it. <laughs> Don't take it on the show. Then we'll get some people will be tuning in. <laughs> i just be... What is it? The drooling zombie? Hang <laughs> <laughs> out. Anyway. So, anyway. by the way, we closed on a couple of things. Uh, from the Red Book. Oh, yes. What did we do? How did we do? Well, what, it was what, like I got two clips. Okay. One of them is what well, you called this one. You called Baluchistan. Ah, Baluchistan or Baluchistan. You know what's yeah. going on there now? Um, well, play besides- the Baluchistan rundown and we'll catch up to Baluchistan. It is no longer a war for autonomy or self determination. This is a now a war of independence. Whether the international community recognizes it or not, this is what the Baluch people are fighting. And the Pakistan army, so far, it is said they have made 15,000 people disappear. Nationalist leaders say U.S.-supplied resources and weapons meant to combat Al-Qaeda-linked Taliban on the Pakistan-Afghanistan border are being used against the Baluch. Pakistan is... uh is using all the resources that the American government is giving Pakistan to fight uh, the Islamic extremists and terrorists, but those resources and the monies are being spent uh, against the Baloch people, um, uh, against the Baloch national movement, and against the Baloch uh, freedom fighter. Yes, it makes so much sense because these people who are in the uh, northwestern part of Pakistan are clearly dangerous to America. This is this is why we have to kill them, disappear them, fifteen thousand of them. It's a good number, jeez. 
So this, of course, uh, for those of you who uh, did not uh, hear the analysis of this in the initial Red Book entry, is because of the pipeline, the, the Turkmenistan, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India pipeline, also known as TAPI, which is literally going through this region. And the freedom fighters, as they're called, who are being disappeared, they just don't want no part of it. And they're, uh, either they're blowing the pipeline up or they're standing in the way or they're parking their camels there. I don't know what's going on, but the people are being disappeared because of this, and it's purely because of the pipeline. Now, another another uh, show we discussed, when, when the Libyan thing first broke out, we, our initial analysis was that, the, that Duffy had decided to, to uh, get uh, tight with the Chiners. Right. And that meant a refinery, and it meant uh, all these other things, and they, they had they had to stop. And we don't care if the if the Muslim Brotherhood takes over Libya, which they might, or, or one of these, or works. But these Chinese, not. And so I, they ran this little tidbit, which got bias, which is the clip. Uh, um, where is it? Libya. There's a Libya clip. On. I, I don't see clips. a Libya clip. Yeah, French democracy at the bottom. Cape, Spain, Spain. I have no agenda. There's no agenda. We can't miss China and Libya. All of this instability has a crippling impact on Benghazi's ambition to rebuild. This sprawling new town for 200,000 people was abandoned last year by its Chinese developers. They and other foreign investors have yet to return. Okay, so they show this. This is like one of those ghost cities in China they were building. Uh huh. It was huge, and it, they show the whole thing, and it's kind of like it's just essentially framework, also meant framework that's gutted because they never got halfway through the project. But it was a whole town the Chinese were building, just like they've been doing throughout Africa. And I guess I, I think that's another part of the you know another uh, uh, one of the uh, another nail in the coffin for the Chinese in Libya, and that's why we let this whole thing blow up. But it was, it's huge. It was a huge 200, that was the beginning of it, 200,000, 200,000 people. You know, what's so really, anyway. you know what's really cool is that the minute you start to get into some uh, interesting news, particularly about China, Skype just decides to uh, make you sound like you're in China. Funny, because your uh, uh, sound deteriorated, too. Yeah. Uh, what do well, we do? Now it's back. Oh, really? Well, you're not. Great. So how do we um, how do we tie this into what's happening with the Chiners and Tokyo? I'm mean, let me play this report to you because uh, there's there's these islands. What's going on and these fake protests are very interesting. And and here's the report that really throws some fuel on the fire. Officials that eleven Chinese government ships are assembled in waters around the islands. Smaller vessels have also been seen anchored offshore. Now, this follows the latest in a series of anti-Japan demonstrations within China. Our correspondent, Martin Patience, sent us this update from Beijing. Well, the protesters have been chanting things like declare war in Japan, as well as flatten Tokyo. But despite all the anger, it's actually pretty orderly here. There's a heavy police presence. Flatten Tokyo! Am I supposed to believe they're literally walking around calling flatten tokyo in china in beijing yeah now i understand that part of this is uh depending on what report you listen to because i was i've been watching both the chinese news and the japanese news the japanese are very distressed by this by the way but they're both reporting on it of course calling the islands different things and uh one of the things that, that 
struck me is that the Chinese, they don't mention this in most of these English reports, is there's a, like some anniversary of the rape of Nanking. Uh-huh. And this is still an issue because the, 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 the Japanese have refused to apologize for what they did to the Chinese during that era pre-World War II. And uh, I think that that element is at play. But is this just a a prelude to an attack, a prelude to war? I mean, it seems like an awful lot. It's a prelude to an apology. I I guarantee, in fact, I put in the book that the Japanese are going to be forced to apologize for this Nanking situation. Because I honestly believe that's what's really behind this. Then they'll start negotiating over about the rights to this big oil field, which is actually what this is all about. So when did this Nanking thing happen? What do you know? The rape of Nanking. This was happening in the 30s. Oh, yeah. The sure. Ch- I remember. The, you know, <laughs> well, I, no, I mean, this is a major part of history where the Ch- China, the Japanese took over part of China, and then they just basically killed people and raped all the women, and they were just the most brutal regime in the history of China, and the Chinese are still pissed off about it. And the Japanese have refused to apologize. Yeah, we've talked about this. I can Now I'm recalling we've talked about this before. Uh, on the show years ago, and it was from some other thing that happened, and I think it related directly to this as well. The Uh, Chinese have a long memory, hmm. and they want an apology, and the the Japanese are so full of pride, they won't give it. Well, why why don't they just come out and say it? Hey, apologize. Because because they don't think it's cool. I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't make sense to me either, but the Japanese refuse to apologize because then they would admit they were wrong. Right, and they don't want to do that. I have no idea. There's no real explanation that's 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 valid. The, Ch- the Japanese have changed their uh, textbooks, their history textbooks, and they don't have much about this in there. And they don't, and you know, they kind of like uh, they blame, you know, it's like they, none of it was their fault. It's just really, uh, just it's um, depressing actually. Well, right, they, right, but still, it comes down to the oil and gas fields that surround these islands. Right, that, but that's this the is real just an ex- reason. Right. right, but I would say that it, that. No negotiations will begin, and this is going to continue until the. I think I really do think they're related. I think the reason for all the protests because there's other ways of dealing with this problem besides protesting and shutting down all the Japanese businesses. The sushi shop was raided, busted, busted up the place in downtown Beijing. There's a little Japan town there. The place all closed down. Uh, they're running rushing these out of the country left right hurting the, the Japanese are closing things in China it's just it's spiraling out of control so I met uh, I met a guy yesterday who uh, came up to me and he said hey Adam uh, you uh, you and John you've been uh, looking at the helium shortage and uh, he told me why why we're, he told you why we're looking at it? No, he told, he told me why there's a helium shortage. Okay. So, and he said he actually paid a firm money to research this. His company is Pioneer Balloon. He, uh, he sells uh, helium balloons. <laughs> Daniel Flynn. And he's the chief operating officer. And he says the reason why is two, we had two... Uh, plants go offline. You know, helium, of course, is a, is um, you tr- you trap helium when you're getting natural gas out of the ground. Right. Um, he says the number one reason is we're just not pumping gas out anywhere really. Even though there's a lot of talk and a lot of talk about fracking and and really big talk, he says it is too expensive 
to get the gas out of the ground. And until the price goes above three, he's, I think he said $3.20 per oh, mega BTU, whatever. The price right now of natural gas is so in the tank. Yep. Let me take a look. And, and what's even more interesting, um, he said that the Russians, because I said, well, how about Gazprom? These guys got tons of gas. He says the Russians have lots of helium, but they're, they're not exporting it. So what are they doing? You know, just sucking on it and talking in high voices all day? What are they going to do with helium? He says, I don't know, but they're not exporting. And therefore, there is a huge shortage in the, in the entire world. But he says it's the direct result of the price of gas being uh, uh, too low to actually get it out of the ground. So he says it needs to be 325. Right now, the price of gas is 320. He said 320. Right now, it's 278. So he says that. So it's just been depressed. It's never. It was down to 275. It's really been low for a long time. And so what he's saying is that all this talk about natural gas, they're not even really pumping it out of the ground. At this price, they're just not doing it. That's That's what I thought was really interesting. And therefore, we have no helium. Okay, that makes nothing but sense to me. Yeah, it's all bogus. So there's still words, the everything is bullcrap. Yeah, gee, <laughs> hey, there's a newsflash. <laughs> Bullshit. Newsflash. Everything is bullcrap, John. Uh, but it, you know, it is kind of interesting how all these commercials for America's natural gas and and the, I mean, they, they've got to figure out some way to jack that price up. And I don't know how they're going to do it. I think they've tried just about everything and can't come up with a, a reasonable way to do it. No, they have. It's been a it's been, T. Boone Pickens has been out there, the tub thumping, trying to get people, you, you know, to liquefy it, do anything you can. And they just, it's just been a, yeah, natural gas is really cheap. So how, so what is it? We, I, we can probably put a prediction in the book if we, just think hard enough about how they're going to do this. How, how you, what would, I mean, you have to either uh, increase well, demand or decrease supply. Isn't that the two main ways you do it? Yeah, well, they've tried both. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> well, when they price of oil, they figure, well, when oil gets about 80 bucks, people start switching over to natural gas, and they never have. It's weird. And the big plants, you know, we can't, well, once they can, you know, we put the clamps on coal, we can't use coal anymore. So they switch over to natural gas, and it still doesn't move the price. When the price moves, it's going to move. But oh, it, yeah, then it'll, it may, it may move very yeah, fast. Yeah, that'll be five bucks. Yeah, it'll move you real know, fast. You don't want to be bitching about the price of natural gas. I mean, you're gonna, I mean, everything works like that, but it's been forever. I mean, it's unbelievably hot. It's, it's actually stuns the, the traders on Wall Street or the commodity traders about the price of natural gas being so low. It's staying there. Well, you think those guys would be able to do something, would be able to, to jack it up. That's kind of what they think. do. That's no, what they do. That's what they do. I know, but they can't do it. It's like, don't know how much of it they, how much power they really have. Let's uh, Google's up seven hundred twenty-four dollars a share. Let's thank our uh, our producers, John. While I can still actually hear you, am I falling apart? Oh, it's it's, with, it's really bad. It's just really we're really back bad. in a second. It's not going to well, make any me, difference. It's not going to make any difference. It's just not. Okay, it's well, like ever like, since Microsoft took over Skype, they've just started to suck balls. Okay. Well, we do have a couple of uh, associate executive, executive producers and one executive producer for today's show, 445, Eric Wilka in Russiaville, Indiana, which I bet it was found by Russians. Uh, $333.33 in the morning. John and Adam love the show. Greatly appreciate the deconstruction of 
PR and neuro-linguistic programming techniques. I recently started a new job, and I can finally make a donation to complete my first knighthood. Could Ooh. I please have some scotch and cigars with my hookers and blow? Oh. And since the karma shot worked well in getting the job, which starting pay was more than I was going to originally ask for, could I please have another shot for my apartment search? And lastly, remind me where to send my ring size information. Ring, this is, I think it's rings at noagendanation.com. Yeah, correct. You guys do a wonderful show. Keep the good work. Uh, and he's got an accounting for his knighthood, which you'll receive later today. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. i got to give him a little karma shot there. You can't, oh, uh, can't overlook the karma right. shot. Here we go. You've got karma. Hopefully you get an apartment there, wherever it is you are. Uh, Sir Guy or Guy? I think it's Guy Boazi. I think it is Guy, too. And he's in Tel Aviv, 229.74. Since my birthday is just around the corner, I'm sending my special yearly birthday contribution based on my date, Euro style. The value I receive from the greatest podcast in the universe is greater than this donation. But we all give what we can, or do we? Please send a douchebag call out to all the 99% boners. All right. Douchebag. Please send me a rain stick plus... <laughs> karma. I feel bad. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't travel with the rain stick this time. Well, you okay? Well, you owe him a rain stick. Uh, since here in Jugitmo uh, <laughs> this summer is still strong with no rain in sight. Yeah, they could probably use some rain in Tel Aviv. It's always dry there. Yeah. Thanks again for all the hard work you do for us. And uh, now I'm looking for my. Uh I don't know where Tapu Tati Chin Chin is either. I'm, this is a mess. Let me get in the karma first, and I'll go look for that. You've got karma. Where's my Tapu Tati Chin Chin? Are you asking me? Ah. Well, let me look for that. I'm going to talk about Jesse Wilson from Hobart, Indiana. I think he was on mentioned last show too, because Hobart is you know I always think of Hobart, the mixing you know the industrial company. Two twenty two twenty three. Karma does work on the government. I got paid Monday with last week's donation and today's. The total was three 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 four three four, and this gives me a total of eleven 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 eleven, which is also the first date I donated. Interesting. Also makes me a knight for the second time. Woo! Once as a knight templar masonic, and now for no agenda. So he's a knight masonic knight, and now he's a no agenda knight. Isn't that weird or what? That's awesome. Karma shot, please. Okay, karma shot for you. You've got karma. And that's all we got for our uh, producer for today's show, 445. I want to remind people that can help us out by going to noagendashow.com, noagendanation.com, dvorak.org slash na, and channeldvorak.com slash na as an alternative, and, and uh, help us continue on our pursuit of the truth. Yes. Uh, or whatever. And entertainment value. And just think about this, <laughs> what you spend to go to one of these lousy movies or the time you waste on television, which is you know, uh, 20 minutes of commercials, 40 minutes of programming. And we give you, uh, what, two and a half hours, five hours a week at times four is like 20 hours a month plus. Yeah, we're going to have to subtract today's show, though, because you're only getting half the program. You're only hearing my part and not John, so. Dvorak.org slash N-A.
And of course, you can always do something extremely important, which is, uh, I don't know, propagate the formula? The formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Oh yeah, everybody, come on, say it late and proud now. Shut up, slave. Everything's a mess, John. The whole thing is a mess. Shut up, slave. Um, I'm going to call you back because it, you, you've detor- deteriorated so much. I'm almost thinking you might want to reboot your router or something. I don't know what This it is. is 4G, ladies and gentlemen, 4G. We've done 4G before, and it worked fine. Now, this is 4G in Chicago. Could you... Um, would, do you think it's worth rebooting your router, or is that just... I can do it. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, why don't it we just... It takes about two minutes. Yeah, you just do that, because let's at least try it. It's just... I mean, I'm sitting here just sweating and getting angry. Yeah. Okay, bye. Hope you all understand, and... Uh... All right, I'm back. Okay. Oh, it's good for now. I have a long... Uh, right, please. I have a long um, clip that... I only because I think it needs discussing. Okay. It's the banking issues that need discussing. We've talked about what's going on in Europe. And by the way, it looks like, well, that's some other issues, but it, it's, it's, I don't know. Just, this I had this clip, and I'm trying to clip pieces from it. I said, I don't know. Maybe we should just play this clip and then discuss it because maybe you know more about it than I do, but it seems to be that the... These all these things that the EU is going to do, they haven't done half of them, and they're going to do them, or they're not going to do them. Okay. All right. Let's 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 take a listen. The proposed region-wide banking system. Deep divisions over the eurozone's proposed banking union dominated the meeting of EU finance ministers in Cyprus, which wrapped up on Saturday. Brussels wanted the first step of that union to be the European Central Bank becoming the supervisor of all the bloc's roughly 6,000 banks. For the agreement to work, all 17 Eurozone countries must sign off on a single binding blueprint, which non-Euro EU countries can join if they wish. But Germany and Sweden rejected the idea of the ECB being the supervisor. And Berlin wants only a few hundred big banks to be handled by the scheme, while Sweden's minister said his country would never accept an external supervisor. Even the ECB hinted that a basic legal framework might be a better idea than taking direct charge of all the bloc's banks. Crucially, the legal authority over all the banks is necessary because then we will have the authority at any moment to call in to a closer supervision any bank or group of banks that we see uh, fit to call to the center. And desperate for growth, the private sector watched on believing the ECB's time would be better spent on other projects anyway. The ECB should now target the banks and force them to start lending to businesses. It was announced that the European Stability Mechanism, the new bailout fund, would have its first board meeting next month. But many economists believe it will take a lot more time before the fund will be operational and ready to recapitalize troubled banks. It's not easy to implement. Well, this is pretty much, I think, what what we talked about when uh, Haiku Herman uh essentially placed the proposal on the table saying okay uh you have to pool all your sovereignty we're going to get the regulator in i mean it's just another stepping stone 
towards the complete takeover of the European Union, of Europe essentially, uh, by the pharmaceutical companies, the oil companies, all based upon patents and uh, genetically modified crap to just keep these people completely enslaved. 500 million people. It's, it's nothing new to me. Well, here's what gets me. Even though I, obviously my voice is not good. Uh, why is Germany against this idea? I thought this whole scheme, the whole EU scheme was to give Germany the power over everyone as a uh, kind of the Fourth Reich. I don't, I, that may be just, well, the, okay, here's, here's the way I see it. Um, Germany likes, they like the, the controlling of the slaves, uh, but they don't like anyone having uh, anything to say over their banking system, over the German bank. I think that's where the rub is. And uh, so, uh, you know, it may just be a smokescreen, John. I don't know. I, the way I see it, the way this European Union has been built up since, what was it, 1956 or 1957 when they first started it, it's all been about the same thing. It's been about um, the patents on pharmaceuticals, make sure no one eats any healthy food, get, get them all the GMO. Remember, that was never going to happen in Europe. Now it's all over the place. Uh, keep the love, oil. By the way, that transition from never going to happen to everyone's got it now is amazing, isn't it? Isn't it though? <laughs> so you know, it's it's just more of the same, and it's another stepping stone. And I, I you know, I talk to people in Europe, and they don't. They're not even. I don't know if 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 they're just completely oblivious to it, don't care. If they're too wrapped up in their uh, local national politics. They really don't see the big picture. It's it's astounding to me how they do not see the big picture of what is really taking place right before their very eyes. Well, we're having the same problem in this country, and we're not seeing it either. Yeah, I, I do have one more clip, which will because you brought it up, the GMO. This is what you can expect uh, in Europe in the in the years ahead. Uh, the agricultural update on super weeds. For every action, there's a reaction, and it is true in the world of pharmaceuticals as well. An increase in genetically modified crops in the United States has led to a rise in so-called superweeds. These pesky plants are resistant to many herbicides, forcing farmers to use up to 20 times the recommended dose of weed killer. Matt McGrath reports. The rise of resistant weeds on Jeremy Leach's farm near Humboldt, Nebraska, has threatened both his livelihood and his family. Last year, he spent around $7,500 on chemical sprays that failed to protect his crops. Do you help unload corn? And the pungent pollen from these super weeds seriously affected his eight-year-old daughter's asthma. When that stuff's pollinating, when the pollen's really thick in there, it makes it hard for her to breathe outside. When you live on a farm, you know, the kids play outside all the time. One of the weeds causing the biggest problems for farmers across the United States is giant ragweed. And I'm in a field of it now, and you can see these plants tower over my head. They're six to seven feet tall. The scientists here at the University of Nebraska have been trying to kill these weeds using extra doses of chemical spray. These particular weeds were able to survive 24 times the recommended dose. And if the scientists can't kill them with chemicals, in three to five years, these weeds would take over this entire cornfield. <laughs> The weed resistance has been caused by the huge success of GM in the U.S., which has encouraged farmers to use only one chemical. Now the biotech industry believes the solution to the weed problem lies in adding another herbicide that until now was too destructive to crops. 
2-4-D. This time-lapse shows the gradual killing of a common weed after spraying with 2-4-D weed killer. Dow AgroSciences has designed a corn that can resist 2-4-D, best known for being part of the mix that constituted Agent Orange. Monsanto. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Monsanto. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, this, so, wait a minute. Let me just understand uh, this. Uh, in order to um, combat the super weed, the that is, way, these weed, these weeds are seven feet high. They are. We're going to spray them with Agent Orange. Is this what I understand <laughs> exactly. from the report? <laughs> this is so awesome. This is just great. <laughs> hey, you know what, John? Um, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna interrupt us one more time. And I'm going to try and switch to the hotel network, see if we have any luck with that, because, it, it, you know, it's just not worth it. Okay. All right, so let me just try that. Um, uh, so the stream will probably be interrupted temporarily. Let's see what happens and how we do. Uh, who, any All kinds of crazy things could happen here. Let's see. Okay, we're switching networks. Switch. Hello? Hello. Yeah, maybe better. I don't know. We'll see. All right. We'll just try this for a little while. Um, Okay. Man, this is going to be an edit job for sure. Uh, Sorry to hear that. I know how much you hate that. Yes, I do. So, um, but, you know, this has not gone unnoticed in our our House of Representatives in the United States of America. Uh, Dennis Kucinich actually stood up uh, in front of uh, the House, and he gave a little speech about Monsanto. Did you happen to catch this? No, I know, but I'm sure I will now. For one minute. Thank you. In 1992, the Food and Drug Administration decided that genetically modified organisms were the functional equivalent of conventional foods. They arrived at this decision without testing GMOs for allergenicity, toxicity, antibiotic resistance, and functional characteristics. As a result, hundreds of millions of acres of GMO crops were planted in America without the knowledge or consent of the American people. No safety testing, no long-term health studies. The FDA has received over a million comments from citizens demanding labeling of GMOs. Ninety percent of Americans agree. So why no labeling? I'll give you one reason. The influence and the corruption of the political process by Monsanto. <laughs> Monsanto's been a prime mover in GMO technology, a multi-million dollar GMO lobby here, and a major political contributor. There is a chance that Monsanto's grip will be broken in California, where a GMO labeling initiative is on the ballot. And here in Congress, my legislation, H.R. 3553, will provide for a national labeling bill. Americans have a right to know if their food is genetically engineered. It's time for labeling. It's time for people to know how their food is being produced. I'd say it's pretty good they got him out of Congress, don't you? Oh, yeah, I'm glad they rousted him. <laughs> good work, boys. <laughs> yeah, get rid of that guy. And what by a- the way, when he, when he gets out, when he's in the street, beat him up. <laughs> yeah, throw him in the mud. Or do something like that. This is un- unbelievable. It's great. I mean, it's great that he's... Uh, that he's introducing a bill which will go nowhere, uh, and he's just laying it out there. I mean, this is what they should be showing on the news instead of Kate N- Middleton's boobs. And they never do show her boobs. So what's the point? Yeah. Well. Yeah. That. Uh, speaking of Europe, that pretty much proved uh, to me that uh, y- you know Europe is is just a totalitarian state. How in the world can you forbid 
a, a news uh, or a, a, any type of a publication from taking pictures of someone out in public on a boat uh, and publicizing them. I mean, uh, uh, of course, if you're a royal, it's, uh, you know, it's not done. But if you're any other person, then, you know, screw you. And yet this has now been forbidden. I find it amazing that, that people put up with this. <laughs> they not only put up with it, they are in agreement. Yeah, that's even worse. Uh, here's a couple of clips from Kate, William and Kate, I thought were funny. First of all, uh, let's play clip two first because there's the irony clip, but then I have a point to make. Uh, the gifting clip? Is that the one you want? Yes, okay. yes. Try, try that. Far away from the courtroom of Nanterre, the royal couple were concentrating on their continuing tour of the Solomon Islands. <laughs> I saw this. The Duke and Duchess were each presented with a gift from a group of topless ceremonial <laughs> dancers. In light of recent events, perhaps an awkward moment. Oh, somewhat awkward. You know, they walk. I saw the video. They walk right by, like, don't look at the boobies, don't look at the boobies, don't look at the boobies. But yet this is okay. The elites can go look <laughs> at the, the black people's boobies, but ooh, let's not look at your white ones. So here's the thing. That, here's what the, the two clips I want to play. One is the William, the other uh, William and Kate. It has a little uh, stinger at the end, which I thought was interesting because it's like, wait a minute, we don't have we we, we even we are free press, the United States free press don't, don't would never say what they're going to say in this clip. As yet, no name. The royals don't know the identity of the photographer that intruded on their privacy. The magazine is unlikely to tell them, and the court won't force them to do so. In France, the protection of sources is taken very seriously. Ooh, the protection of sources, eh? Protect, uh, taken seriously in France. And so then I'm thinking, well, that's, that's nice for the French. Of course, the, you know, this is gonna, the French will be part of the Civil War when it finally happens <laughs> because they actually do value their freedom. And that <laughs> French don't listen to our show because they know everything's crap anyway because they say, yeah, well, this is not news to them. So French cartoons cause stir. This is the, the, the yeah. thing that's going to be interesting over the next week. It hasn't been played much in the U.S., but this is like the, the French, how they deal with this, this uh, Muslim fiasco over the movie. A French satirical magazine published cartoons today that risk igniting new outrage in the Muslim world. They featured vulgar images of the Prophet Muhammad and satirized the violent reaction to an American-made film that insults Islam. Muslim leaders in France called the cartoons a disgraceful provocation, but the magazine's publishing director insisted it's about free speech. Muhammad is sacred for the Muslims, and I can understand that, but for Muslims only. I am atheist. Muhammad is not sacred for me. I understand perfectly that the Muslims don't violate the law of blasphemy, and I don't blame Muslims for not laughing at our drawings. But they shouldn't tell me under which law I should live. I live under French law, and I don't live under Quranic law. Yeah, this is uh, interesting. A because I've not been able to actually find any of these uh, uh, any of these cartoons, drawings, pictures, illustrations, etc. And it seems like even the BBC couldn't find any of these. Um, let's see. I had. Uh, let me see. Have you seen anything? Have you seen any of these? No, I haven't. But I just assume they've been censored. I, I think if you went to Google.fr. It might be a. I don't know. Might here's, be a route. Well, here's a report that was on the BBC regarding, and this. it may not be on the internet. I mean, not everything that they do in France. Uh, just about everything the, makes it on one way or the other. Well, listen to this for a second. Well, I've been talking about yeah, all of this just before we came on air. First of all, with uh, Agnes Poirier, a French political commentator and film critic. She was on the line from Paris, and Usama Hassan, senior researcher at the counterterrorism think tank Quilliam. I began by asking Agnes Poirier whether she'd seen the cartoons. 
Well, I have seen some of the cartoons because uh, from, you know, this morning, very early this morning, it was impossible to get a copy of Charlie Hebdo. Uh, I went to 10 different news agents in Paris. Now she's in Paris. And just couldn't find it. So I had to do with what some friends uh, sent me. Um, so I haven't got the full pictures. So she hasn't got the full pictures, yet she has an opinion. What's your response to what you've seen? Look, it's a question of uh, taste, I guess, and sense of humor and sensitivity. Uh, personally, I, you know, I'm not a regular reader of Charlie Hebdo. Charlie Hebdo is in the trade of provocation, also of thought-provoking um, cartoons. It's a news weekly, it must be said, I think it's important, covering the week's news in cartoons, and it's got a very irreverent uh, tone. That's uh, its trademark. Now, you know, you will always find people finding offensive. I have in the past. Um, no, I'm, I'm asking what, you th what your impression was. Did you find it to be witty, biting satire, or was it? I f now, so... Uh, let me just remind you, this is on the BBC. Found. She says, I have not seen it. I could not get the magazine. Some people have sent me some stuff. I've seen partial pictures, yet here she has a complete opinion. Some, um, <laughs> He's, wait, well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. She's, she's very clearly not saying that she... She's very clear about what she has and has not said, and this guy is goading her. Yeah, and then she has an answer. Opinion. Worse, yeah, but, but he's, has, like, he's hounding her, this British guy. <laughs> well, she's the correspondent. She's being paid to give a report. Well, I know, but at the same time, she just gave it. She said, look, I haven't seen the thing. And then she gave a background <laughs> on the publication. What's she supposed to do? Well, here she's just supposed to lie. Here it comes. Some um, funny. I found some others not funny at all. Uh, some vulgar, some um, offensive, and uh, some boring. She's just following the script. She didn't see anything. Well, that is the BBC script, of yeah. course. Oh, there you go. Of course, it's the BBC. Yeah, no, she script. is following the script. Yeah, yeah. But it's the BBC script. The French are different, and you know, with all this action over the Danish cartoons, you think these things would be picked up and spread all over the place. But they know it's not going to have any effect on the French. Well, the, I think the what we really need to realize, if you look at the news, uh, at least here in Gitmo Nation, United States proper, is that uh, there are no more protests. Uh, everything is over. All is well. Uh, we are not interested in talking about the uh, uh, the innocence of uh, of of Muslim video because we now have the uh, Mitt Romney video. So we're completely done. There's all is well, and we're not look even looking at uh, at Egypt or Libya or or any of the thirty places we were looking at four days ago. It's just done. Have you noticed this? It's just over. It's not. Uh, no, because it's happening. more important. That that Romney talking to a group of, uh, in, uh, I guess, uh, contributors says, you know, 47% of the Americans are idiots that won't vote for me. <laughs> yeah. And this is like breaks. This is like, oh, uh, why is this like even talked about? What do you expect him to say? I think they had I think they had this uh, ready as a uh, ready no, to it's go already been known this was out this was out over somebody said three months ago in march is when he made this speech yeah and it was apparently a twitter sensation for a little while and that died yeah and it's, it's just been revitalized for the purposes of the election and and, and everyone's all upset about it i i can't get upset about it Whether i was for or against romney i don't see what the big deal is what is the big deal explain it to me no, um, the big deal is just because news media have been uh, told, the ones who are running the commercials, who actually make the money from uh, from this entire tight race, this campaign, you know, this presidential race, uh, they've been told to make a big deal of it. 
And so that's what they, they just, they, it doesn't matter. It's like, if it's not Middleton's boobs, then it's this. We just need to make a big deal out of something. And and well, I think it was well played. I mean, it's perfectly played because, you know, we had this foreign policy argument. And now, not and this is what really got me about this. Not only is this uh, about, you know, you know spinning this into, oh, Romney's, uh, uh, you know, he doesn't give a crap about half of America. But listen to Soledad, I think it was Soledad O'Brien and here's how she's taken this. To our starting point this morning, Mitt Romney calling President Obama supporters those people. Inf- inferring racial. Those people. Inferring that, I don't know what, that they're black? What I don't the- remember him saying those people that it's, way. No, he didn't. That's the whole point. He, it, he, it, it, this is, it's unbelievable how this is being spun. It's being turned into a complete racial thing, which is freaking me out. Well, that, you, this is in the Red Book. We've talked about they've been trying to turn this into a racial issue uh, since the get-go to, to, to bring, you know, everything. They haven't been able to pull off the race riots, oh. well, which let, they let, tried, let but that see. didn't there work was, out. Um, no, what's his name? interested. Uh, hold on. I actually tweeted this. What's his name from? Uh, who's that guy? Uh, I think it's, uh, isn't it? For, yeah, from here. Uh, this was in the... The Daily Beast. Hold on a second. And he actually says, uh, here's why Mitt's 100% wrong on the 47%. That's the whole article. But then at the bottom, he literally takes it to a racial point. Uh, so he, you know, the, the, everyone's like dissecting what is the 47%. And, uh, oh, crap. I wish I had it right handy here. Um, here we go. Uh, when you ask white, Amer- white Americans to estimate the black population of the United States, the answer averages out at nearly 30%. Ask them to estimate the Hispanic population, and the answer averages 22%. So this is how they come up with, like, you know, uh, approximately 50%. So when a politician or a broadcaster talks about 47% independency, the image that swims into many white voters' minds is not their mother in Florida her social security, untaxed, receiving Medicare benefits, blah, blah, blah. It is basically black people and Hispanic people. And for this to be written like this, it's quite a stretch. I was like, wow. What is the guy, a mind reader? (laughs) Yeah, apparently. There's no evidence for this. This is not evidence-based reporting. This is just bull crap. Yeah, but it's it's inciting race, and we, we predicted this would happen, and here it is. Yeah, well, they they're not getting as far as they'd like to. And here... This is my favorite clip. This is the BBC, of course, jumping on board. And the way they, pre- they, they uh, uh, preface the whole Romney deal, and this is essentially just the preface, uh, it just cracked me up because it, it, he, they take it to another extreme. P- play the BBC report on Romney. Mitt Romney doesn't need headlines like this just 49 days before America votes. His latest problem, the left-leaning magazine Mother Jones, has published a secret video of a dinner with rich financial supporters. The Republican candidate suggests almost half of all Americans are scroungers who'd be bound to support Obama. (laughs) Scroungers! 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 (laughs) Half of Americans are scroungers that's great i love the scrounger vibe that's cool scroungers <laughs> you scroungers scroungers i tell you scoundreling scroungers oh wow ah, that's pretty good that's pretty good um I, okay yeah 
Well, uh, Richard Branson was. I mean, we're kind of done on the Romney thing, right? I mean, it's. I, no, I don't, let me I think. Don't, let me look. I don't see. Yes, I as, hope so. Yeah, I, I. I got nothing else. That was it. Groundsers is my. And, that's and, where I. And by the way, do you not get the idea that it's also possible that, um, in light of you know our general thinking that no one wants to run the country for the next four years, that maybe the Republican Party just put this video out just to throw in the towel and just like, all right, go ahead, you take it. We got Jeb Bush waiting for 2016. Go ahead and run this sucker for the next four years. I This is what we've always said. Right. We, I think it's like two years ago we, we called this. Yeah. And I think Obama's side is pretty much at least the smart money over there wants to do the same thing, but they can't quite back out as easy. Right. So, I mean, he's... He's going to have to be caught with a 12-year-old or something just before the election to lose so, well, at this point. <laughs> well, who? Romney or Obama? Obama. <laughs> no, Romney's that's... lost. Romney is not even in the game anymore. He's done. I mean, this is just the icing on the cake. He was already done. But, well, wait a minute. Now, John, we still have, what, 45 days? I mean, I, it, we, this is just from a, uh, you know, the Curry Dvorak Consulting Group, from a pure production standpoint, from a story arc standpoint, we cannot... Uh, we will lose out on viewership if we don't have more controversy in the next uh, six weeks. We have to have something. So this cannot end now. It is well, too soon. Can, well, okay, here's it. Okay. We know what's going to happen because we kind of deconstructed it early on, and we have to assume the script is going to stay put. That doesn't mean that the powers that be that are actually some, there are still people in the Republican Party that would like Romney to win. Yeah. And they're not necessarily on board with this idea that he shouldn't win. And, right. I, and the same thing happens on the on the Obama side. I mean, let's face it, the Hillary camp does not want Obama to win because it's going to weaken her chances in 2016. So there, you know, so there's this 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 activity is taking place on both sides of the election, pro and con on both sides. So the, yeah, there has to be there'll be a lot of good stuff. In fact, some of it will be pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, we have to have something really really awesome though. We got to have like a yeah. Well, that's it's going to have to, it's desperation time. So you have to assume they're going to be throwing hail marys left and right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. <laughs> it's going to be great. I love this. Your- was weak. This was weak. And the fact that people like uh, Soledad would get on it as some sort of a important thing, or anybody for that matter, and Fox are all over this is like they're trying to defend the guy. Yeah, yeah. This is weak. It's weak. Who cares? Well, what I find funny is you see um, MSNBC, you literally see um, the hosts with glee. You know, like it's Christmas. They're so happy. You know, and Al Sharpton, this is so happy. They, even they, they must realize they can't be this happy for the next five, six weeks. We've got to have more. Otherwise, their show is over. We're all going to be watching something else. So I'm I'm just waiting with bated breath, anticipating uh, the next grooviness that will come along in this grand show. Yeah, no, I agree. There will be some good stuff, and it'll be all the every show we do will have something cool yeah. in it. Meanwhile, there is some some real information slipping out. I think this was even on CNN. Now let's move to Cairo, where life is getting back to normal after days of anti-American protests. But it's getting back to normal because we have a Romney video, so no worries. There's no protests here. Now it turns out not all of those protesters were there because of their anger with the U.S. and that anti-Muslim YouTube video. Many, turns out, were being paid to protest. That news comes from Egypt's prime minister. Paying people to protest is fairly common in Egypt. Oh, really? Gee, CNN, that's news. 
It's fairly common, just so you know. This is very, very, very common, this. My goodness. You, you told me something new there. Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, let's see, I have a, I have the clip of the week, by the way, but I'm not going to play it yet. Uh, well, I, I, all right. Well, we'll, well, but I do have the idiotic clip of the, if we want to change subjects, I got a, a, a good uh, segue clip. Okay. All right. Which is the idiotic clip of the day. Are you ready? Yeah. What kind of message does that send to our child? I don't want our kid to feel that. To see him or her get hurt like that, that would just kill me. As a parent, you're supposed to protect your child. You tell them not to play in the street and, and don't do drugs and wear a thick shea butter moisturizer at night. But how are we supposed <laughs> to protect our baby from hate? Wait a minute. Shea butter moisturizer? <laughs> Who slipped that in? <laughs> That's from the new normal. You wanted me to watch. Oh, please. No. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Well, the new normal is a little low for us, I might add. Yeah, I noticed that too. James Penn, uh, Jameson Penn in Brambleton, Virginia, though, came in with $106. Value for value. Why? Because around episode 339, I got sick of the bull crap and walked away from my lucrative federal consulting gig. Whoa. My family's barely been getting by. You should have stayed there. Yeah. And then reported in. My family's been barely getting by since. Well, I have waited tables, hoping to find a job that isn't evil and pays the mortgage. Finally, I did. And you're getting a cut. Dollar for every episode of my underemployment, $106. 106 episodes, really? If you can, trains good, planes bad, see something, say something, karma for my brother Gary. All aboard, trains good, planes bad. If you see something, say something. You've got karma. All right, Brother Gary. There you go. You nailed it. Yeah. I didn't think you'd have any of those clips. You, 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 <laughs> no, those are so old. Ching ching those have. are so old. I have. I don't know where Caputata Ching Ching went. It's like, it's a mystery. Tertius Karstens in South Africa, $100. Uh, oh, here's the, uh, yeah, right. He, he met uh, me at the Twit Brick House. I, in fact, there were two, curiously, and they didn't travel together. There were two South Africans oh. at the show. And uh, one of them uh, gave me a 100 Insta uh, uh, donation, which mm-hmm. is tertius. Mm-hmm. And the other one gave me a bottle of uh, an unusual wine from South Africa, which I'm uh, letting sit and settle in. So I'll probably drink it in about a week or two. Yeah, wines, when they travel, you have to... I actually saw that. He gave you, like, a, a Rothschild from South Africa, and you were like, wow, I didn't know they opened in South... I saw you. I saw this whole conversation take place. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah I was actually stunned, because I didn't know the Roth... Or the, the, the Baron... This is the Roth... The uh, Lafitte side of the family. Yeah. I had no idea that they had done a joint venture in South Africa to make wine. Hmm. And so the, I'm going to be very interested in... See how this comes out. I mean, these these deals are all over Chile, Argentina, Australia, South Africa. I suppose now where these and the French are also in California, and they make all these de- deals. And some of the wines are good. Some of them are just like they they try too hard. Anyway, uh, um, I didn't know. Give us tell us what the real pronunciation of this name is if it was Dutch. Um, that would be Tertius Karstens. Tertius Tertius Karstens. And what does he want in here? 
He wants he an, won't, <laughs> won't you just pronounce? In the ochtend, he wants, I'm looking for a dedouching Chinese Japanese in the morning, then an Afrikaans one from Adam in the ochtend. Lone wolf, my puppy, no karma, please. Uh, okay. <laughs> no karma, he no. just wants a bunch of sound effects. Yeah, all right, here we go. <laughs> You've been dedouched. In the ochtend! And uh, Lone Wolf for his puppy. <laughs> we'll do that for a $100 donation. Anyways, so uh, I was. it was weird that there were two South Africans there. And uh, I guess, you know, it's probably cheaper to be here. I don't know. I, as far as I know, the Rand is, is not trading at a good rate. Amy Pettigrew in Huntsville, Alabama, $100. Need a happy birthday shout-out and my birthday karma for my wonderful and birthday karma for my wonderful husband, Michael, on his 26. He doesn't care much for gifts, but we all know that a no-agenda show donation is the gift that keeps on giving. Also, like a shut-up slave karma for my brother, Matt, as he serves his time in the re-education camp known as undergrad. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, can I get some science karma for my lab mate, Kirby? Hey, wait a minute. Well, how, well, how many things do we want here? Well, she gets the one karma for everybody. All right. And then a shut-up slave and a science? Is that what we're looking for? I don't see the science. Where's yeah, the science. Science, science, science karma. Science. All right. Would you give her a shut science. Science. science! You've got... Karma. There you go. She's probably getting the formula, and she's a and she's Amy. We need all the women and viewers we can or listeners we can get, um, and especially in Huntsville, Alabama, that must be very interesting to listen to the show there. Jesse Mansfield. I want to think of the University of Alabama. Jesse Mansfield, Austin, Texas. Ah, they missed Hello. you. Been a fan since day one. Followed Dvorak from Twit when I was sixteen. I've been dreaming of the day I could donate. Hey. Please mention our podcast, Texganic, where a couple of douchebags trying to start a business in Austin and y'all show has been a big influence on what we're doing. I actually Tex- listen. I listen to their show. They sent me a Texganic. note. Texganic.podbean.com? Yeah. What's, what is it? Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of like a, a little mini Adam and John. You know. Oh, 7777. Yeah. It's very nice, actually. Very nice. Yeah, well, that's good. We're, yeah. we're influ- we're, we are influential. Yes. Chris Ball, uh, 7126, in the morning, doing my fair share in an effort to keep the show from just getting by. Last couple of episodes have been awesome. Thanks for all the hard work and great clips. And he says he used the PayPal mobile app, which worked. Yeah. All right, here we go. Ready? Oh, yeah. Hold on a second. (laughs) Uh, No, I wasn't ready. Oh, you are not. You're never ready. Well, you know, listen. Normally, I have five screens. I've got all. No, no, kinds no. I know, but I mean, with this, this, the, you, you're looking at the numbers, and you know it's sixty-nine. Actually, I'm not looking at the number. I'm looking at the jingles. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what stupid combos people okay, okay, want. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. I'm doing other I'm things here. All right, Carrie, really? C H H I M, uh, Chim. I guess so. Yeah, Carrie Chim. Or Carrie Chim. Chimney. Chim. Hamilton, Ohio, sixty nine, sixty nine. Just want some karma. All right, we got some of that for you right here. You've got karma. But that's not it. Sloan Kelly in Niagara Falls, Ontario, sixty nine, sixty nine. Been listening to the show for about a month, and it's really one of the best podcast. It is the best podcast in the universe. I love listening to No Agenda during my commute in the morning. Can I get two shots of the head and a shut-up slave for not contributing sooner? Please, keep up the awesome work. <laughs> shut up, slave!
Yeah. There's no. They didn't want a karma shot. I don't. I I did not hear the request. I just heard two shots to the head and a shut up slave. Okay, that's what he got. Yeah. Uh, a major you major major loser loser major, major loser major loser with a U. So it's major L loser. Yeah, major loser. Tinley Park, Illinois, sixty nine, sixty nine. Jeez. Uh, well, at least we didn't fall off. I thought we were going to not get a 69 this time. It would be ending the streak. Like a de-douching and a karma shot. And you Oh, sorry. Sorry, you didn't hear that. <laughs> You've been de-douched. You've got karma. Like the <clears throat> Roll out. SK, uh, in Saskatoon, the Paris of Canada, Saskatchewan, 69.69. In the morning, John and Adam, it's me, Roll SK, from the chat, donating once again. John, you are three for ten on pronouncing my name correctly. Mike <laughs> Nikolachuk or Nikolaychuk. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not even getting involved anymore. Okay. Okay. Right. You had a good run of two in a row, then you ruined it by mispronouncing it in my last donation. I sent you that very donation as a reward for the correct pronunciation, but you screwed it up. Fear not, all is forgiven, John. Please enjoy the uranium ore I sent. <laughs> <laughs> is it radioactive? Did you get it? Did you receive it? Adam senses a sexy, fun time karma for future adventures and such matters. Keep up the good work, guys. I'm going to get his name down so it's... The next Nikolai time I get a donation, it's, I, it's Nikolai Chuk. Nikolai Chuk. Nikolai Chuk. Nikolai Chuk. There you go. Nikolai Chuk. Nikolai Chuk. You've got karma. Nikolai Chuk. It's not that hard. Christian A. Soldner in Holzhausen. 6969. Yay, yay. Jeez. Adam and I, John and Adam, uh, first donation supporting the greatest podcast in the universe. I'm asking for job karma for my hot MILF Catherine. Yay. Where's your little? You didn't send your line. Send pictures. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm. I'm, too, I'm uh, yeah, send pictures. I, I, I give. A, I even have a. You pause even paused for me. I realize. I realize. Send pictures. Yes. See, I applied for a new job, and we are waiting an answer. Please keep up the good show. Let's see how you butcher my name. Greeting from greetings from Munich, Deutschland, Chris. And that closes our well, 69... Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. First, we've got to give him some karma for his hot milk, oh. uh, whatever. You've got yeah. karma. And then we can close it out. Catherine. 69! 69, dudes! There you go. Closed. And by the way, that's one, two, three, four, six. Six of them. No, five. Sorry, five. I think the most we've ever had is seven. Jeff Lorig in Creighton, Nebraska, six... Another donation to get John to pronounce my name correctly. I've donated twice now, and both times John has pronounced my name as Long, but it's actually Lorig. What? Yeah. Oh, that's because on the spreadsheet, and I'm a mile away from it, it looked like Long. And Mm -hmm. I think that wasn't me mispronouncing it. It was me misreading it. Yeah. No worries. You're still the best podcast in the universe. Got to get a John blowing his nose loudly with a side of rain stick from my (laughs) drought-stricken state of Nebraska. We can't do either one I, of those I, so. I, I wish I, I wish I had the uh, the rain stick, but I promise you, uh, we'll be flying home tomorrow. I will do a sixty a double six on the sticks for you, and uh, and roll out the rain stick. You know that I've been doing this rain stick thing on the show. It's been raining in Austin for a week. It's it's like I think yeah, the rain stick has to be in the proximity where you want it to rain. It doesn't seem what? yeah. It's really raining there. 
Oh yeah, it's been it's been raining for a week. No kidding. We'll give a we're wow. going to give some karma to a karma to um, uh, Jeff here, and uh, in lieu of the rain sick, and hopefully that'll help. You've got karma. Royce Kukami in Aia, 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 Hawaii, Hawaii, sixty-four, sixty-four. Appreciate a douchebag call out to Cody. Oh, for his, Cody, douchebag for his unprofessionalism and a shot of karma to Palum Kelly F, Chris, Jason, and Andrew, and the Mega Sixty Four crew. Deeply appreciate the fine work you fellas do. Uh, you put out and take care, Royce. You've got karma. John Bulzuich. 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 B-U-L-S-Z-E-W-I-E-Z. In Warren, Michigan. 60. Used to pay for another podcast, but it had some changes, and now it sucks. Wonder which one that was. <laughs> Unlike No Agenda, which in my opinion is the best podcast in the universe. So I'm giving the money I would have given to them and giving it to No Agenda. Can I please have some karma for a loan modification for my mortgage and karma for a relationship tired of the America just getting by scheme? Thank you. You've got karma. Well, that is how it's supposed to work. I mean, that is the the basic concept is uh, value for value. And if you don't see the value somewhere else and you bring it here and, you know, as long as we don't suck. Although today's program, I think, is so far below par uh, on the quality. That's because of the audio quality. Yeah, the quality. No, I mean, the content is always the best podcast in the universe. Oh, yeah. That goes without saying. In fact, we, uh, we do say it. I have proof. You do? Yeah. Somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Timing. Yeah, keep going. (laughs) Joe the Dish Slaves, Joe Esposito in Stockton, California, home of the repossessed homes. Mm -hmm. 60. Hey, guys, I had to donate toward my wife's damehood after I mentioned Monsanto at work, and no one had heard of it. What? (laughs) Can't put a price on being informed. Oh, my goodness. Which is also what Greg Steerly in Santa Monica, California, fifty-five fifty-five says, best podcast in the universe. Anonymous in Livermore, California, double nickels on the dime. Hey, John and Adam, I'd like to keep my name anonymous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not resigned to a fate similar to that of Gary Webb. <laughs> I researched yeah. that a four-letter government agency around the corner from John and Moffett Field, which would be NASA, uh, yeah. working on Adam's favorite project next. Gen. I'm donating because I would like a Hey Citizen Karma for my PhD qualifying exams in applied math and statistics that are coming up this week. If everything goes well, you guys should look forward to a nice stream of future donations from Dr. Anonymous. If everything doesn't go well, I would recommend Adam keeping his eyes peeled as my area of expertise is in the control of swarm robotics. And this is uh, quite frightening because what he's referring to here is uh, uh, drone swarms. Yeah, Where, <laughs> and he's well. Luckily, he's up there near you, Moffat uh, Moffat Field, which is uh, conveniently located to Google, I believe. Yeah, it's uh, it's all just a big coincidence that those are all so near to each other and all linked. And uh, send me some information, dude, about your uh, next gen, and yeah, you know, we'll keep you on the QT. Hey, citizen, and here's your karma as uh, as requested. You've got karma. He says, "Keep up the good work exposing the media for the joke." That it is. Thank you. 
Preston Taylor or Thaler in Sonoma, fifty-one thirty. One word comment: drunk. <laughs> yes. Greg Stone in Rapid City, South Dakota, fifty-one thirty. These are fifty-one thirty is our number that celebrates our fifth anniversary. Best podcast in the universe. Also, a little comment for my still stolen bike. Uh, no need to read. If I hear jingle and bike, I'll know. Keeping the donations segment pithy. Bike. You bike. Got bike. Karma. Bike. Mark Borghese. Borghese in uh, Las Vegas. Lost Wages, Nevada, 5130. For my smoking hot wife. Can I get a milk in the morning? Milk. That's one mother I'd like to. F- in the morning. Hey, that's, I like that. I like that connection. I'm sorry. I'd like that little combo there. That's one mother I'd like Elf to be to be to in the morning. I like that. Oh yeah, yeah that's cool. Good. That's yes, yeah, it's it good. is good. It works. Good it works. catch, Mark. Yeah. Jonathan Plan in McKeesport, Pennsylvania, fifty-one thirty. Without comment, Robert Goshko, Sir Robert Goshko, to you. Also fifty-one thirty in Sherwood Park, Alberta, the home of the money. Uh, been a listener since episode one, and I can support the value for well, since you're. Night, I'm sure you know it's not like we haven't heard. <laughs> I like to support the value for value model. Keep hitting them in the mouth. Can I get a one hot milf karma shot? Mm-hmm. That's one hot milf, baby. You've got karma. Sir Jason Schrader, Greensboro, North Carolina, fifty-one thirty. Uh, without comment, Kyle Bauer or Bauer. It's got to be Bauer or Wooster, Ohio, fifty. And finally, Jason Fortune in Geneva, Illinois, fifty. And that closes out our donation segment. Uh, uh, hold on, I, I do. I do have a couple things we still have to mention before we com- uh, close it out completely. John, I uh, got a note from Christine Norman. You remember she donated on Sunday. Uh, actually, she says I donated last Thursday, asking for Visa Karma. And six week work days later, it worked. My H one B was approved. Car- karma really does work. I love it. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, well, I, we also need uh, one of our knights has requested some off. Beat karma, uh, Sir Andrew Gardner. Yeah, he he's not just our knight; he's the No Agenda Racing Team. Yes. And uh, did you see the, his been, crash? <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm, I'm, yeah, no. he he has a camera on his bike, and he wiped out. And uh, so he, I think he does have one more uh, race to run. So we're going to give him a little extra special karma there. If my system would. Oh Jesus Christ! He, he wants a No Agenda Racing yes. Karma and two to the head. No agenda racing karma and two to the head. Okay. You've got karma. And uh, we had uh, Rick, Sir Rick Fowler, who uh, sent us, was he the 12-12 night? And he had no note, and he uh, uh, All right, subsequently and he, he wanted to be known from this day forth as Sir Beer Geek, and he would like a... Uh, <laughs> It was just like a, a little girl shut up slave, I think, is what he was asking for, uh, which uh, I have somewhere here. Uh, was, is there something else he wanted, John, or was that or was that it? Well, I think it was a karma on top of that, wouldn't it? Uh, well, we'll give him that just to make sure. Shut up, slave! You've got karma. And, yeah, I think... Was that it? Yeah, I think that's it. We we have uh, just wanted to thank our uh, artist, which I forgot to do at the top of the show, for the last episode's artwork. That was uh, equals sign D equals sign. (laughs) 
Uh, you can always check out all of the artwork at No Agenda. <laughs> yeah, who, I don't know who yeah, that is. We, yeah, I like to get a mailing list of our artists, but they're all like these anonymous characters. Yeah. Equal sign, D I equal sign. I actually like that piece a lot. It was, it, and that was an evergreen, wasn't it, that we chose? Yeah, it was in the evergreen batch. Yeah. By the way, people can drive. If you have something that's not really about today's show and you want to just drop it in the evergreen pile, we do go through it. That was on page four. Yeah. the dig. Yeah. No, it, it's important because, you know, sometimes even though the art is pretty much always great, it just doesn't really fit with, you know, the show or maybe it's just, you know, yeah. yeah. And we were, and we were fickle. Yeah, we are. Well, we want, we are like the best podcast in the universe. The same way. Yeah. We, we can't, we can't be messing around. You know, this is like a, this is a professional outfit we're running here. And thank you, uh, Peter Meir for, um, re-registering the best podcast in the universe.com and keeping that pointing to noagendashow.com. Uh, he actually sent me an email and said, Hey man, do you want this? I said, you know, I think we should keep that one. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's like our award, right? The best podcast in the universe.com. It can only point. Can you imagine someone else registering that and pointing it to their site? Can you imagine the drama? Oh, it would be, it would be a catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> so keep supporting us, please, so we can continue to do stuff on the road. Dvorak.org slash N-A It's your birthday, birthday On no one chapter Happy birthday, uh, Guy Boasi, our buddy there in Israel. He congratulates himself. He will be uh, celebrating on Saturday, the 22nd. And Amy Pettigrew says happy birthday to her husband with the gift that keeps on giving. He turns 20... Six. Happy birthday from all your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. Woo. Okay. And then we have, uh, wow, we have one, two, three. Actually, it's, now is Carrie, uh, let me make sure Carrie is female, correct? Is she going to be a date or is it Carrie, uh, um, go back to your spreadsheet, John. Do you still have it open? Uh, I do. Check out Carrie. I just want to make sure that I'm knighting Carrie appropriately. Is Carrie... See, it doesn't say. I don't know if Carrie's K E R R Y. Wouldn't that be uh, a Dane? That's generally a uh, K E R R Y is generally a male name. Really? Yeah, K E R Y K A R I K E R I. Okay, so I guess it's three knights: Eric, Jesse, and if that's Carrie. a problem, then we will uh, make the correction later. But I'm I'm guessing it's a. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a guy. I, right. I, would almost, I would bet money on it. All right. Well, you can grab your money and your sword, please. You got it? Okay. I can't do both. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Eric Wilka, Jesse Wilson, and Carrie Chim, please step forward as you all three have donated to the best podcasting universe. The amount of $1,000 or more, we could not be more proud to invite you into our very exclusive club. It is the uh, Knights of the Noah Jenner Roundtable, so I hereby pronounce the Sir Eric, Sir Jesse, and Sir Kerry. Come on, you hookers and booze, your um, wenches and beer, your rent boys and Chardonnay, and wasn't it cigars and scotch, I think I remember? That's all here for you at the, uh, the Roundtable, and thank you again for supporting us. It is highly appreciated. It's what keeps us motivated to keep doing this stuff from the craziest places on Earth. Which is what we do. So you've been uh, rolling out lots Works. of yeah, you've been rolling out lots of the clips today, John. I have uh, a couple of my own that uh, I think might be interesting to run through. Um, let me see what I've got here. Uh, first of all, something that's kind of gone a little bit, you know, been snowed under by all the really important news of Kate's boobs and and uh, and Romney's secret video. 
is the the uh, the Inspector General of the Department of Justice in the United States came back with their report on Fast and Furious, and you've barely seen any news on this, as far as I know. I caught one one report on CNN. Yeah. Well, it's the closest thing so far, I would say, to a definitive account of the investigation that everybody agrees was a terrible idea, allowing firearms to slip south of the border to try to catch the cartels that were doing the gun running in Mexico. The Justice Department's Inspector General said Operation Fast and Furious involved a series of misguided strategies, tactics, errors in judgment and management failures that permeated ATF headquarters all the way to the Justice Department and a near total disregard for public safety. Congressional investigators had suggested there'd been a cover-up in the Justice Department, but the report said federal officials actually ignored red flags failed to ask questions, failed to send information up the chain of command. The report referred 14 people for possible disciplinary action, but it did not recommend anyone for criminal prosecution. And almost within the hour that the report was released, two of the highest-ranking individuals whose names came up in the report were out. I love this, by the way. This is such a great way to do it. It's like if you're responsible for the death of hundreds of Mexican citizens and at least one uh, United States Border Patrol agent, uh, just resign or retire. There's no distance. You're not going to get in any trouble if you work in the government. Right, you can retire with full benefits. Yeah, just retire and you're all good to go. Former Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms Director Kenneth Melson announced his retirement. And Jason Weinstein, who was the Deputy Assistant Attorney General in the Criminal Division, turned in his resignation. It was accepted by Attorney General Eric Holder. Now listen to what Holder did. Listen to Holder's statement. Holder also put out a statement of his own, Wolf saying in part, unfortunate that uh, some were so quick to make baseless accusations before they possessed the facts about these operations, accusations that turned out to be without foundation and have caused a what? great deal I know, this is crazy. of unnecessary harm what? and confusion. He says he hopes today's report acts as a reminder of the dangers of adopting as fact unsubstantiated conclusions. So he's so one what? guy retires, one guy quits, and then Holder says nothing happened here. Nothing was true. Nothing to see here. <laughs> yeah, I think we have that jingle somewhere. But I was just like, wow. I mean, how how does he even come up with that? What gall. It's amazing, isn't it? Oh. In the morning. Look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. And so, of course, uh, you know, nothing. I guess nothing else is going to happen. That's it. It's done. The report is in, and uh, I, I, I don't even see what they could do. I don't know, and Holder's still being held in contempt, but they're not going to do crap about that either. No. This, I, this group is the worst. This have, is like a joke. I have to say that uh, the CBC up there in Canada, they're doing a great job on reporting. Um, quick report here on the... Uh, the 18-year-old kid uh, who uh, was charged with uh, trying to set off a weapon of mass destruction, which we used to call a bomb. Now it's a weapon of mass destruction. Um, yeah, associative. <laughs> yeah. I, I love how uh, the CBC reports on how stupid we are down here. Turning to the United States now, where authorities have charged an 18-year-old from Chicago with attempting to use a weapon of mass destruction. They say he wrote about jihad and killing Americans and that he planned to detonate a car bomb. Neil McDonald joins us now from Washington with what we know about the operation to nab the teen. Neil. 
Well, what we know, Wendy, now is that this was all concocted by the FBI, and it's not the first time this has happened. They find someone on the Internet, in this case, this man, Adel Daoud, talking about being a jihadist. They contact him with what they call operational terrorists, that is to say FBI agents. They provide him, they, 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 they dream up a plot. They provide him with the means to do it. They offer to, 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 to get him involved in detonating a device. They even gave him a fake bomb. And then when he went to detonate it, of course, they arrested him. Uh, as I say, this has happened before on several occasions. Uh, interestingly enough, on the attacks, the real attacks, uh, the underwear bomber, for example, on Christmas Day a few years ago, and the Times Square bomber, those were detected by alert citizens and not the authorities. But uh, the authorities remain vigilant. And if you talk about doing it down here and you talk the talk, then they'll walk your walk. I'm impressed. I'm really impressed by this reporting. I'm glad somebody in the world is just noting that literally, this besides yeah, us. Yeah, literally just comes out and says, oh, the FBI just makes it up and they take some stoner kid and then... Uh, <laughs> some idiot. Yeah. Is this guy stupid enough to fall for this bill? Yeah, I think he is. Well, then let's do it. We got nothing else to do. Wait a minute. Let's go to lunch first. And then we'll we'll run it run the scheme on him in this afternoon. Okay. Yeah. Well, this uh, end of the J- Dvorak Playhouse. <laughs> very good. Very good, John. Liked it very much. Now I uh, I was talking to one of our producers who I have to go uh, will have to go unnamed, and he was telling me that now for every one hundred FBI agents, they have a lawyer, and the, and the lawyer's job is to is basically to make sure that these operational terrorists, as you just heard them called. That they're following all the right rules to set these kids up, and uh, and this is really all that they can do. They they can't do any more uh, regular investigating uh, because there's too much paperwork. And uh, apparently, you know, the bigger the FBI gets, the, the that's the irony um, is that there's just more bureaucracy. And so, if they want to go and you know do any real investigation, find a real terror. Yeah, if risk. they want to go do some real investigative work, there's too much paperwork. So it's easier for them just just to find a guy and build the find case around him. <laughs> and that's the irony of a bigger government is that you know the actual criminals get to get away with stuff. Which is I don't know. It's perverse. But there you go. It's, yeah, well welcome to the 21st century. A uh, couple of memes uh that we've been tracking uh the the you know we've been tracking this this whole fact check thing and everything is fact checked and this is not just a meme in America it's going on around the world and I see it in Dutch politics and we have fact check fact check fact check it was a fact this is a fact the fact we're checking the facts and Soledad who I think uh, as CNN should promote her uh, I think she's the uh, the only person on CNN who um, whether she's right or wrong is irrelevant she's putting on an interesting show and and I and I was pretty much done with CNN, but now she has this morning show. Have you seen this show in the morning where she's? Uh, I I think I saw it when it first started. I haven't been watching, but I should mention Soledad's an interesting person. I know yeah, we her. we both know her. We know Soledad. Yeah, we and, both and worked she, with her. She began at NBC, uh, actually MSNBC before it turned into what it is today. MSNBC right. was kind of a variety network, and then it became the twenty four seven Princess Diana's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. network. Remember and those good old days. To, yeah. And then they you Oberman and these guys came aboard. But Soledad was put on the fast track. She was a, a, an anchor host on MSNBC early on. She was put on the fast track to become the like the head one of the head people on M- NBC network mm-hmm. along with Brian Williams who was also in that in that same track. 
And somewhere along the line, somebody didn't like her or somebody tested better or she didn't, you know, because she was part of the multi-culty look, which broadcasters are just looking for, like mm-hmm. nobody's business. Right. Which is a certain kind of, is she Italian? Is she, is she black, Mexican? I don't know. I think, so I, think, I, th- I think she is black, though, isn't she? No, I don't think so. No, you think she's Italian? I, I, Soledad really? O'Brien. Ryan, oh, well, I, mean, I think she's uh, Hispanic. I think, but really? again, that's the look. That, yeah, it's, it's, it is the perfect that, look. It is the look. I totally fact, agree. You know, Natalie Del Conte, who is now Natalie Morris, name, Morris. Uh, she's got the per. She is an incredible. I mean, you have no idea. What, I mean, she she said so herself. She says she can go anywhere in the world, and they think she's a local. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, I I would like to remind people. Uh, that John was the one who uh, uh, scouted her, and I then recruited her for Mevio, and uh, she, and we taught her. We taught her how to how to talk. We taught her how to walk. We taught her how to dress, and then she uh, took all that and, thing. and then she screwed us <laughs> and then quit. Yeah, that's pretty much what. That's how. That's our. That is show business in a nutshell. <laughs> that is exactly. We, we put all the effort in, and then she got really popular, and then she screwed us basically, just stabbed us in the back, and said, "Hey, I got a better gig over here." <laughs> yes, which yeah. is exactly the way it's. It, you have to assume that happens. That's what. That's what. It, I always tell people. I said, "Well, I'll give you a little coaching on this, and then I expect you to stab me in yeah. the back." Yeah. yeah. So well, I mean, that's, uh, that's welcome to happened. the business. Anyway, so let me get back to Soledad for a second. Uh, so she has this uh, the show in the morning. And she um, and she does something very interesting, where and she and you know, you you can just wait for it to happen. She's every single guest. She and it's so funny these guests fall for it every single time. She's going to set them up and then she'll whip out a paper and say, "Well, I have the proof right here. I've been reading the actual document, which is kind of what we do. We read the legislation, we read the documents, and say, "Well, this is not exactly what the document says." So she has Peter King on. And I think what a lot of these politicians think, oh, it's the breakfast show, you know, they've got a round table, it's gonna be it's gonna be a walk in the park, it's gonna be really easy. And she has Peter King on. Uh, he's a uh, I am sure he's Republican. Uh, and he's a Yeah, he's a guy from New York who keeps having these hearings on Muslims in the media. Right. Muslims, right, right. You know, he's a he's a kind of the foil right. to the all the Muslims. So and she's kind of a douche. He's a total douche. And she rolls out the fact check thing on him. Uh, regarding um, President Obama's Middle Eastern tour, where and this is very much a Republican talking point, is that he went on his apology tour, and I, of course, I went and read the spe- the, tra- the transcript of the speech uh, that President Obama gave in Egypt, and uh, it, it is uh, it is very much uh, a mea culpa without saying it, but it's kind of like, hey, you know, we could have done better, and you know, it's it's kind of I understand where the talking point is coming from, but the way Soledad brings this and and Peter King's reaction to it, it was just television history in my book. In that All right, speech, deals. as you know, which I had the speech right here, so that was uh, right. He never once right. used the word apology. He never once said, "I'm sorry." So now, this, of course, is, is the travesty. Is she saying? I, it, he doesn't use the word "I'm sorry" in the transcript. Well, <laughs> there's many ways to say you're sorry or apologize, but okay. So, so but she keeps you hammering this out. Lo- the logical any any logical reading of that speech or the speech he gave in France, where he basically said that the United States can be too aggressive, talking to the that French. That was on April third, two thousand nine. Right, but but that's not 
apology. Yeah. So you're people. It is. I can say. I do consider. You're, we're apologizing for opposition. We have nothing to apologize to the Muslim world at all. We have not sacrificed our ideals. He was overseas criticizing American officials and the CIA and others when he says that we lost our ideals. These are the people who kept us safe for eight, nine years against Islamic but Everyone terrorists. keeps talking and about this apology tour and apologies from the president. And I'm trying to find the words, I'm sorry, I apologize in any of those speeches, which I have the text of all those speeches in what? front of me. None of <laughs> So I think this is pretty funny. It's so childish. That it's funny. I have, I have, I'm looking at, doesn't say, I'm sorry, doesn't, there's no apology in here. And then she pulls out the final sword. Those speeches so, uh, at all. So, and if you go to factcheck.org, which we check in a lot, they'll say the same thing. They fact check right. this and they say this whole theory of apologies. I don't care what fact check Well, okay, there are. <laughs> I don't care what fact check said. I don't care. I don't care like what, two little kids. I don't care I, what fact check said. Okay, the, oh. the backstory on this, of course, is the uh, Republican meme. That began in two, in 2008, where they they say that Obama's constantly apologizing right. for the United States policies, right. mm-hmm. and what he does is he doesn't. He never says. Of course, he doesn't say. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, he's what he does is he he downplays some of the policies and says, you know, we could have done better. This is not the way to do. I mean, there's a lot of ways to say to apologize, and you can interpret him in different ways too. But it seems that for some reason it really gets the goat. Of some of the liberals out there, and obviously Soledad is like signed on Obama bot. You think? There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, and really. So she is like just irked by this whole thing because the words that how can you be making an apology when you never say I'm sorry? I mean, it's not an apology, and then she's she's hung up on it, and she's got yeah. this douchebag in front of her, and he's just going to argue with her. Who you watch this? Yeah, and and but then the thing is the fact check. This is all. Well, we check fact check that you know people when you say the word Why don't you fact. Say we, we've gone to Snopes. Oh, exactly. Well, this is exactly what I'm saying. Is that the minute you say factcheck.org or uh, politifact.org, then all of a sudden in people's brains, I've watched this happen. People say, "Well, yeah, then it's got to be true," because there's fact in the name. In fact, we should be called factnoagenda.com. If we call ourselves the Fact No Agenda Show, people will believe us that much more. There is something going on with this whole fact check meme that has people, oh, well, you know, fact check, check well, fact check, it was fact check. Well, well the word, and you have story. to remember that about a, over a year ago, in fact, uh, Buzzkill Jr. pointed this out once, <laughs> he says there was, a, amongst the millennials, there was a uh, um, kind of a linguistic, usage where you'd say something to somebody and then at the end of the sentence you'd say the word fact right so you know yeah i went to the ball game and the, and the police beat up a person fact well this is very much and we, i think we've discussed this on the show before in silicon valley this is without fail and i watched some of the disrupt conference and zucker zuck i'm sorry zuck does it zuck 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 zuck, zuck. And, and here's how it goes. Well, you know, when we're doing a streaming, of course, uh, we have a, a much uh, greater share of the audience, right? And it's by adding that word right at the end. And they all do it, right? And it's, it's the question mark. And all I want is just for once for someone to go, no, I don't think you're right. I don't see how that's right. Or why do you think it's right? And that is the same thing as saying facts, right? Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly and, right and how back. often have you heard them say this? It's it's annoying, right? It's very annoying, right? 
So noagendafactright.com. Maybe we need that. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. On to, um, on to my favorite new meme. This is the green on blue attacks, which yeah. now has a new name, and we've got to track this. This report... Good, the old name wasn't working. No, the old name wasn't working, so we've now changed it to uh, something else. Hi there, Alex. It is a very disturbing trend, and it's been the deadliest year for insider attacks. 51 uh, NATO coalition members have died this year alone uh, from these insider attacks. That's up from 35 in all of 2011. And before that, in 2007 and 2008, there was a grand total of four coalition soldiers who died from these insider attacks. This one today occurred in Zabal province in southern Afghanistan, and it seems from local officials that they may have been duped by the police. The police were at a security checkpoint, according to one Afghan official. They said that they were under attack and called for help from these American uh, service members. When they came, some at least one turned his weapon on uh, the American service members and killed four of them, wounding at least two others. According to the Taliban, of course, they're taking the claim of responsibility for the attack. They say it's to avenge this anti-Islamic movie that has caused outrage in the Muslim world, but they will always try to claim responsibility for any NATO coalition deaths in the country. We should also mention two other NATO service members were killed yesterday in Helmand province. They were British soldiers by the same kind of insider attack. Again. Hey, 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 tell this woman to drink less coffee, for God's sake. <laughs> she was trying to rush a bit there, wasn't she? she was trying to get everything into, into a report. Yeah, the insider attacks. I mean, yeah, it's, insider. It's someone on the chat room like is it. saying... I like well, it. I like what it. What is the chat room here saying? Green on blue attacks, Joyce Riley's line, will you ever give credit? Now, what the hell does that mean? I don't know what that is. Anyway, so it's not green on blue anymore. It's insider attacks. And I'm not sure why it's been, well, besides the fact that, you know, green on blue wasn't catching on, but insider attacks, I I, I think it's going to be used for something else. There's a reason for this. There's a reason. And then CNN, they got one of these insiders and they interviewed him. It has a term, green on blue. They use that when a supposed ally, a friend of NATO forces, for some reason kills the troops training him. You're about to see and hear the voice of a man who says he killed Americans. He says he went on patrol with U.S. troops, took his gun, and shot them. So they interviewed this guy. And they didn't turn him over to authorities? Really? Yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah. You want to hear the reports? Like 40, yeah. 40 seconds. Yeah, I want yeah. to hear this guy, even though I believe this is probably bullcrap. Well, of course it's bullcrap. asked him simply why he did it. Why did you do it? in a Taliban-controlled village is a man who claims to be responsible for a green-on-blue attack. With his face covered to hide his identity, he pulls out his police uniform, something he hasn't worn since the attack on the 2nd of October 2009. On patrol with U.S. forces in Wadak province in central Afghanistan, this father of two says he waited for an opportunity to launch his premeditated attack. The Americans went inside the nearby school for a break, he explains. They took off their body armor and put their weapons down. At that moment, I thought it was the right time, so I took my gun and shot them. See, I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't believe this. Uh, I've been in uh, in Iraq, not Afghanistan, but you are not taking your body armor off anywhere, and especially not if you're not inside the camp. You're inside yeah, some, and some kind of school. Yeah, it's also inconvenient. It's not very convenient. Um, I mean, I'm trying to understand. I mean, I think it's very obvious. Uh, people are like, "You're in my country. Get the f out." 
You know, so I understand why this is happening, and but the, it, it's weird. This has got to be used for something. They keep amping it up. We've got a better slogan now: insider attacks. So this is going to come to. The, we're going to know what this is about sooner than later. But right now, it's a mystery uh, why this continues to happen, why they allow it to happen, and why you know this reporting continues the way it has. It's in the red book. Yeah, good. Uh, I got a couple of things a little different. Uh, in fact, I have a, well, actually, we have, actually, I got some really discrepant clips here, but let's get the one here's a little lighter. Play, uh, uh, this one will be interesting to you. Play Yosemite One. Oh, let me guess. It's about uh, my favorite camp. Yosemite has become an international treasure with nearly 4 million visitors annually. 20% of them international tourists. We saw black bear, but no mice. But this summer, mice posed the greatest risk. After an outbreak of rare rodent-borne disease, hantavirus, left three people dead, five sickened, and nearly 29,000 others at risk of exposure, according to the National Park Service. We, we have protected God. This is believed to be the site of most of the infections. Curry Village and its cluster of 504 tent cabins in Yosemite's lower valley. Hey, wait a minute. I thought it was rats and not mice. No, no, it's mice. It's mice? Okay. Because they, they've yeah, now... Uh, Curry I, Village. Curry Village. Yeah, I know. Curry. <laughs> it used to be in my family until some boneheads sold it for some trinkets. It was actually... It's not anymore. It wasn't so the Curry Apparently family. nobody gives a crap. They, it's mostly... Inter- National tours, and they had these Germans and all these people. And I just thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, Yosemite clip two warnings prominently posted throughout the park. Park traffic and tourism remains robust. Did you know that there was a virus here before you came to Yosemite? Uh, yes, yes I, we did. Um, we had heard quite a bit in the news and everything. Some Japanese died. But these German tourists here celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary are undeterred. They say they lived through the European swine flu epidemic, and they'll certainly live through this. You have to be careful, yes, you have to wash your hands, but I think you do it anyway. Just do not lick the mice. That is very simple. If you lick the mice, you can get the virus. It's not good. So this to me, and we, we've, we've been over this, there's multiple factions at work here. One out of NHK Japan, by the way. Uh, thank you. Who make the spark plugs. The... Um, so the, the, there's, there's warring factions here. One On one side, we have the uh, the Greens, and they want all tourism out, all of it just all together. And I, I've been to, of course, I've been to Camp Curry many times. I've had family reunions there. I've been to Yosemite in that entire area. And I uh, I feel that the, as, particularly for the, the access roads they have, um, the tourism is out of control. You've got that uh, that that uh, upscale hotel. What is it? The Walla Walla Wakawana, Awani, the Awani Hotel. Um, rooms a thousand dollars a night. There's you know beautiful place. It's yeah, but it's filled with douchebags, John. It's a douchebag hotel. It's like a it's like a W hotel in a you, national you park. Get in, huh? <laughs> no, I can't afford to get in. What are you talking about? So, but you've got that. This is this is the whole point. You've got the douchebags there. They're always full. It's a thousand bucks a night, and then you have Camp Curry where you've got the log cabins for thirty bucks. So, you know, it's very obvious that we also have you know this playing out. It's like, uh, you, you know, we got to get we got to put a hotel there. We got rid of the log cabins. Get rid of the camping ground. So, I think it's these two factions. It's the it's the Greens who want everybody out. And it's the douchebags who want to have more 
uh, high class luxury crap because they they're just full. They need more uh, more rooms essentially. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that's what I think. And what's the best I, way? Is, I, I, I think the theory is as valid as anything. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds right to me. They keep propagating in fact, they, it. In fact, they claim it was the douchebag versions of the tents in yeah. the Korean village yeah. that have the two walls where the mice were hiding out between the walls. <laughs> it's the upscale douchebag version of yeah, the tents. Yeah, it was tent. the upscale tents, <laughs> which I think is $40 a night. <laughs> Whatever. So uh, there's a couple of things. Now, here's why I want you to trying to tell me what's going on here mccain goes in front of a bunch of people in new hampshire and he brings with him some dipshit senator female senator from new hampshire and they go after the joint chiefs of staff oh really like in a in a big way play the mccain uh, uh goes Mom? after mullen clip okay. but most importantly as soon as he left he leaked to the media that that's what he's done what message do the iranians get when our senior military leader says that he was in Israel, not to tell Israel that we're with them, that we will draw red lines together, that if the Iranians cross those, we will do whatever is necessary, but, but comes back and says, well, I tried to uh, convince the Israelis not to attack Iran. What message do the Iranians get from that? I think it's pretty obvious. I've been very disappointed in our uniformed leadership and... Uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's very unfortunate because in other ways they've gotten themselves involved in areas that they shouldn't as well. Do you want to say that? Yeah, uh, you know. So I understand what he's talking about. What's your question specifically about this? What is he trying to accomplish? Oh, well, Does he just wanted to bomb Iran because he you know, he made a joke well, about it some time ago. Well, you know, he, uh, he his bris is scheduled for this weekend. So he needs to uh, he needs to keep the the pro Israel talk going. The guy is is paid by by some influential uh, Israeli lobby. All he does is talk about this the whole time. We'll play the second part so I get the bigger picture. Uh, I would just add to what uh, John said about the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He actually came before the Budget Committee the, after the first time Senate Budget Committee. Uh, the first time he did that, he did this issue with Iran twice. And I gave him a really hard time on the, and before our committee about it. And I said, why did you do that? Why did you publicly basically say what the conversations you were having with one of our closest allies that actually would empower Iran? And he kind of backed off, but then he did it again recently. So I have to say that when I see that, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff reports to the President of the United States. So when he does that, he's not doing that unilaterally. This is obviously the policy of the administration, and that's what's most disappointing. Our allies need to know that we are with them and that we can have those conversations, very honest conversations and direct that aren't going to be leaked, so that we're not empowering our enemies like Iran. And, and that's, I think, unfortunately, we've seen a repeated pattern of that so we don't know who the woman is because because she's very irritating i'd like no, to know she's who she is kelly so she, just look up the senate uh the senators you have senators from uh, new hampshire and she's the one female one um uh, well so it's very obvious this they, is the ongoing when, war when, but, is, when is iran are we declared war on iran i mean iran i mean is it like uh, there are enemy or enemy 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 i mean what what yes you know, yes have they declared Yes, of course we have. This is McCain, uh, Romney. Yes, of course they've. You, know, you listen to this douchebag Netanyahu. Have they attacked us? I mean, give me the <laughs> reasons for this. Well, listen. Well, I'm just trying to get a background. On how no, I understand Iran what you're trying is to do. Enemy, 
if they haven't attacked us, have they attacked us? Look, have they declared they, war on? Listen, have they declared war on us. They're brown and they live in the sand. This have is they enough. Declared war on us. This is enough. They, the brown live in the sand and then control oil. This is enough. Bomb them. And, and and RT is jumping on this bandwagon. And listen very carefully, because this is what Netanyahu says as well about how far Iran is from a nuclear weapon. Britain's one of 25 countries taking part in a 12-day exercise in the Strait of Hormuz in the largest war games ever undertaken. Now, this, by the way, is propaganda. You have to understand RT is, is making it sound like the British Armada, I think they have five ships, and what what really does the UK Largest have? Largest ever. Twenty five countries. Yeah, some guys sent like you know their cigar boat. Some guys sent like their dinghy. You know, it's, this is war games, sure. In the region now, this comes as fears grow that Israel is preparing to launch a preemptive strike against Iran's alleged covert nuclear weapons program. Now, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu has said that Iran's six to seven months away from having 90% of what it would need to create an atomic bomb. Now, this Okay, all right. Help me understand this. Six months away to have 90% of what it would take to have an atomic bomb. That means they've got nothing. That's what it says. they got nothing. they got six months to be... No- so you need... I think in order to, uh, to have the, the bomb, you have to have 100%. They have no... Six months from 90%. Who, why are people just going, oh boy, that sounds pretty dangerous. I mean, they're giving you the actual numbers. <laughs> it means nothing. <laughs> Yes. Well, I, I don't know. It's just annoying. I have no idea what else. There's something else going on that that Israel really has got a tr- itchy trigger finger about, and I have no idea what it is. But there's obviously none of this bull crap. Well, you know, Netanyahu has been saying that Iran is very close to a ne- nuclear uh, weapon for I think ten years. I mean, this is not new. It's just you know now with uh, with Romney in the game and his buddy Romney, I think they shared a cubicle together at uh, Boston Consulting Group. I mean these guys go way way back. Um, he's just getting more more attention and more ink. And well, he's got to be very disappointed when Ro- his buddy Romney doesn't get elected. <laughs> well, you know, I, I still think that someone's got something up their sleeve and they've got six weeks to do it, and I can't wait to see. You know, here's well here's something. Do you think? Um, Ooh, do you think pre- was President Obama ever in the Boy Scouts? I would doubt it. All right, the Boy Scouts of America is accused of covering up alleged child sex abuse cases. Uh, the Los Angeles Times is reviewing hundreds of documents from the 1970s and 90s. The paper says scout officials quietly asked volunteers suspected of abuse to resign, and then reportedly covered up the tracks. Isn't this amazing? I'm just loving this report about the Boy Scouts. You know, and okay. yeah. do you understand how huge this is, really, about the Boy Scout and how un- underreported this is going to be? Well, I'm sure it's going to be underreported because everybody and their sister's been a Boy Scout. It's actually a pretty large operation. I'm surprised there's not more of this going on just based on the numbers. Well, we don't even know actually what's going on, but, you know, we're just getting a little tip of the, of the reporting. The pedo bear, man. This thing is just so out of control. I, you know, I was in the Boy Scouts. You yeah. go out and you camp in the woods. It's just about it. <laughs> did you did you get any merit badges? 
Yes, I did. Yeah, well, for what? What did you get? Not tying one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a. Uh, which I, what I find disappointing is that I got a merit badge for not tying, which everybody does. I I can't I can't tie knots anymore. Oh really? I, I wonder. I think it's a skill like a kind of like spreadsheet. No, I can do it. I'm I, I was a sea scout, and I can tie sea scouts. I, yeah, I mm-hmm. was the high end scouts. Because you were always on a boat. Well, the Sea Scout, in, in Holland, you pretty much have the Sea Scouts because, you know, you're in the sea, so you might as well. Um, but I can tie, uh, I can do the shank, I can do the slip knot in, I can do the slip knot in, in one and a half seconds. It sounds, it sounds like dances. <laughs> there, he's doing the shank. Yeah, I can do the, sh- uh, you know, and, uh, but the slip knot I can literally do in one and a half seconds. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So you kept up your skills. Yeah, and I can do the, uh, uh, what's the one if your mast breaks? And you have to have a knot in the middle, and then three, three for the, the guideline. Broken mass knot. <laughs> yes, the broken mass three guide wire knot. I'm very good at that one. The sheep shank. There you go. Sheep shank. I can do. I can bet you I can still do those. Meanwhile, Richard uh. Branson, uh, who I'm now more convinced than ever, is nothing. Is he is no more than a spokesman shill. I don't think the guy has a business bone in his body. He's been sent out. You know, he's a banker now, a bankster. Um, as uh, Virgin, Who's behind that guy, that then oh, huge money. I you know. I, I feel the same way about him. That yeah. he's just kind of a uh, he's a he's a front man. Yes, but and who's 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 the real power behind behind? It's him? Uh, it's a bunch of hedge funds, um, and you know, so they bought Northern Rock essentially, uh, which now has become Virgin Money, and so he's in America, and he's on Bloomberg. Uh, talking, and you just got to listen to this. He's on Bloomberg Television, which is only meant for one audience, which is people who are in the financial sector. And Richard Branson is insane. That uh, looks increasingly treacherous. You've got investments that really span the globe, many, many different sectors. What's your, your overall feeling about what we are going through, about what Europe is going through in Asia right now? Um, I'm, I'm always an optimist, but, um, but, uh, but I like to think uh, that amidst all this pessimism that's around, that, that there are green shoots now, and that it's green shoots, John, um, and that you know that I, I just sort of feel like maybe the corner's just beginning to turn, and that um, and that um, uh, and with a, with a, you know with with a, a final push, we can we can start sort of climbing climbing out of the. Uh, the, the stagnation that we've really got into over the last few years. Um, so, uh, so you know, it, 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 you can see lots of lots of um, potential icebergs ahead. But um, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that may, maybe that maybe the corner's turned. Maybe we can find it. We're, we're finally clawing our way. Potentialized, out. folks. What is this guy? He sounds like a, he's a babbling idiot. He's insane. He's insane. Green shoots. We're crawling out of the abyss. The tipping point, we're just around the corner. Don't worry, a couple of icebergs ahead, but we're okay. You're insane, Richard Branson. Insane. Wow. And why is he Why is he doing this? I mean, he should just do what he always does and jump off a building to launch a product. Rappel down. Yeah, he does that. He did that well for years. <laughs> yeah. He's insane. And he's just, I don't know, I think they've just sent him out. Maybe... They're so worried well, about. They didn't the, give him a very good briefing on this meeting. And he's. I mean, apparently someone has heard the John C. Dvorak cycle theory 
and know that the uh, abyss is uh, two weeks away as we hit October when the entire economy of the globe collapses. And they said, hey, 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 Branson boy, go out there and uh, tell everyone about the green shoots. What is a green shoot? <laughs> I don't know. It was something that the, the Obama administration used two years ago. They were talking about, remember, and, um, and Timothy, little Timmy Geithner was talking about green shoots and Bernanke, the Bernanke, the Ben Bernanke was talking about the green shoots. This was two, three years ago these people were using I don't this. remember it at all. The green shoots, yeah. Yes, green we, see, shoot green, we see green shoots in the economy. Hey, the guy's like living in, 19, uh, in 2008. Green shoots. Then he said people are potentialized or something. I don't like know that. what he was. Some don't new know. age crap I, I don't know what he was talking That's what about. What he said. The guy's insane. Okay, I got the clip of the day. You got to get cue it up because you, when you, you play this clip, you're going to have to say, "Oh, okay, okay." I don't know where you got that Dvorak, but I, I'll give you a clip of the day because you're demanding it, and it is pretty damn good clip. Hillary. Okay. What is it? Hillary. Hillary. Oh, come on! I have the same clip. Play it. It's almost too delicious to believe, my friend. <laughs> Clip of the day. That's when she's uh, talking to her uh, her little uh, lover up there in uh, Burma. Yeah, well, they, they brought her into Washington. Yeah. And, and the woman came into Washington, and this too delicious thing was just too much for me. <laughs> and it would, But they brought her in here and to... And apparently she came here to beg to pull the uh, all the sanctions that we have on Burma. Mm -hmm. And she was in there whining. She said, look, I, I'm, here I am. Can we pull these sanctions? They're killing us. Yeah. And then Hillary's going, I don't know. It's just great that you're here. It's too delicious, I say. It's almost too delicious to believe, my friend. <laughs> if, if, if you now, hear... I'd keep that as a permit. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. If you hear someone say that to you, run in the other direction. I don't think that's good. It's a very, very frightening thing to hear from her. I was frightening when I heard it. Delicious? <laughs> it's delicious, my friend. Oh. Hey, um, uh, I think something's heating up with Russia, as um, Russia has basically kicked USAID out of, t uh, out of the country. <laughs> Did you follow this at all? Yeah, I've all, I heard about it, but I don't know the background. Yeah, so, well, uh, well, USAID... Of course, is uh, is pretty much uh, uh, well. It is a part of the State Department, and this is what's in Egypt and what's in all these countries, and that's where the techno experts work. And it's you know it's giving you aid, but uh, you know essentially it's, it's, it's an economic hitman system. Yeah, it's economic hitman. It's spies. It's techno experts. And uh, uh, Putin said, uh, "Get out." October 1st, get out. Get Just out. get out. We're sick of you. Yeah. yeah, get out. You're causing trouble. You're making... You're, and I'm sure they're behind all those little marches. And of course they are. That's, wh that's why they have to get out. Yeah, like, Gary get Kasparov. Out. Yeah, get out. You should kick him out too while they're at it. Let's get out. I'm sick and tired of you guys. I love get it. Out. <laughs> Just get out. All right, uh, enough of y'all. But but we're USAID. We, uh, we, we're, we're here to help. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything else that's really. Pressing. I got one. Okay, good. So le I, I thought this was interesting. You know, there's a, there's a lot of protests. They're setting up Lebanon because Lebanon's on the list, right? Yes, 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 yes. Lebanon. Lebanon is one of the uh, uh, the the Wesley Clark Seven. Yeah, so it's exactly which sounds like a band from the '60s. Yes, Dave Clark the Five, Wes Clark, Clark seven. seven. Yeah. So uh, the Wesley Clark Seven was includes Lebanon, but we haven't found any reason for. 
Lebanon, but but listen to this Lebanon Hezbollah suggests intel clip. Uh, to the call by the leader of the Hezbollah party, that's Hassan Nasrallah, in a televised speech last night, he called for the people of Lebanon to take to the streets to show the world their anger about uh, this uh, this film that they say is insulting to the Prophet Muhammad. He says that uh, the U.S. intelligence is behind this. He's really been firing up the tensions here and uh, definitely calling for his supporters to come out. The protests will be held in the southern area of Beirut. That's a very uh, big stronghold for the Hezbollah party. And as the week progresses, we're going to see more protests across Lebanon. So so he, he suggests that U.S. intel, intelligence agencies, are behind the phony movie. Eh, I think it's possible. Do you, I'm, I'm wondering. Where'd that come from, that clip? That was in, that was good. I like that. Where is it from? <sighs> that came out of, uh, I think that was uh, uh, a CCTV China. Very good. Very good. You and then s- you can play the second half of yeah. it, which is, uh, it just uh, could run either as one or two, but it just shows you that extre- it, Lebanon is, you know, is falling in prey. To the scheme, it seems to me, and the next thing you know, all hell's going to break loose there. Making his first public appearance this year, the influential leader warned that this is only the start. The world should know our anger will not be a passing outburst, but the start of a serious movement that will continue at all levels of the Muslim nation to defend the Prophet of God. Hassan Nasrallah called on his supporters to show the world how angry they were. He said, with your faces, your fists and your voices, show the world your rage. And we have certainly seen that today, as tens of thousands of supporters have taken to the streets in protest. I love the way she's screaming at the top of her lungs. She's screaming. So I'm now thinking that Nasrallah is actually uh, working for us. Hmm. There's no reason to stir this stuff up like this unless you're trying to you know cause a problem well there is another angle and this is an angle that cnn is highlighting and uh it's it's almost disgusting the way they bring in these experts to say the following yeah frederica we're in uncharted territories here now we know that uh, a couple of random individuals with an axe to grind and and you know an uh, islamophobic sentiments can launch the the kind of uh wave of violence that we've seen in some parts uh, of the Middle East. Uh, now there's no stopping it. I mean, you think this is, ju- this is just the beginning. I mean, people now know that they can get Admiral Mike Mullen to actually give you a call and try to tell you to not upload a video on the Internet. There are many individuals out there who are going to use this to, this, uh, to, to, the, to our advantage, and, and we're going to have to figure out how to deal with this, how to, how to really balance the freedom of speech with... Uh, uh, with you know the, the the national security interests of the United States. So this is very interesting. One because the meme is here. We have to balance balance no less freedom of speech with our national security. But in light of the clip you played earlier about McCain, there is clearly a movement to embarrass uh, Admiral uh, Mullen. Uh, Mullen, and uh, and I think that it must be the intelligence. Uh, community versus the defense community. It, it seems like that 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 war is back on again between those two, and it kind of makes sense knowing that you know Google has said, "Hey, we are not going to censor this video because, of course, Google is the NSA. I mean, they they have a relationship that's known, it's documented. 
of course, they don't tell us exactly what's going on. Um, you know, and so that's why Google says, "Oh, we're not going to censor that because you know we're the, we're the we're the spies. You know, we're uh, intelligence. You can't tell us what to do." Well, if they're uh, now, would they? Is this a battle? Because we've talked about this. Yes, we have for years. Yep. The battle between the Obama administration and the CIA, and then there's the DIA, which is a huge operation, and then there's the NSA. Mm-hmm. But where does the CIA DIA? Is it? I mean, what we we have yet to get to the bottom of this. What is the real beef going on here? Um, I, I, I the only thing I can think of is it comes down to budget. And, and why money. is Mullen? I think it's got to do with Iran. But why is Mullen? It has to do with Iran, or otherwise you wouldn't have the Stooge McCain going after Mullen with an unbelievable, disingenuous lack of respect. Yeah, and the guy's a military guy. He's the he's the he's the boss of them. No, I'm talking about McCain, a military guy. Oh, well, yeah. He's not, so they say. He, he has, shows nothing but respect generally, <laughs> yeah. but he shows zero respect for Mullen, for the Joint yeah. Chiefs of Staff, yeah. and Mullen in particular, who's a Navy guy. I don't know. We just haven't figured it out yet, but we're going to. We'll, we will figure it out. We're going to, for sure. But Mullen seems like a very sensible guy. Oh, well, there you go. That's, that's mistake number one. <laughs> Don't be a sensible guy. That would be wrong. I don't know. There's something, there's definitely something amiss. It's got something to do with either a contract or, or something that didn't go through or something Mullen queered a deal on. You know, he may have screwed up something that was going to make big bucks for these guys and he, he, he screwed the pooch. I mean, who knows? But I think it's 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 we can find out if we just dig around. I'm pretty sure that uh, our producers will will be able to point us in the general direction. Uh, but it's clear they're out on the war path for Mullen, um, and it's uh, it's McCain, it's uh, Netanyahu. Um, you know, Mullen is you know I guess he's Obama's guy. So it's just you know it's just it's sad is what it is. It's just freaking sad. So now in Spain, all hell's breaking loose there, too, which is underreported, of course, here especially. Would this be because... Show, uh, our media does not want to show, for people who aren't familiar with some of our philosophies, the, our media does not, not want to show a lot of riots around the world because it might give us... An idea. An idea. So better <laughs> left unsaid. So now they want to... There's a, I've got this kind of double clip here. Uh, Spain wants to privatize the railroads, uh, which I think... Sorry. Yeah. To rail workers who protested against possible plans to privatize Spain's rail network. Elsewhere, things went quiet. Some services were cancelled as those working on the railways went on strike. There's lots of people on the platform and it's complicated. We'll see what the return journey's like. I think the strike's fair. They want to privatize the rail sector and I don't think that's right. Spain has one of the best high-speed rail networks in the world. The unions fear the government plans to sell off the country's rail operator next year. And this, they believe, would mean job losses and a rise in fares. Over the weekend, thousands of public sector workers and others demonstrated against the Spanish government's austerity reforms. Oh, well, this is very obvious. This is how it all starts. By Ayn Rand. Taggart Rail Lines. 
God, I walked into that one. You sure I? did. That's your own fault, man. <laughs> you, you, you did that to yourself. Yeah. Well, anyway, so the play the second clip, and this is the one that, that as soon as I heard this part of the of the report, which is pretty long, I said, "Oh, now this there's something that just doesn't make any sense." The unions warn of an autumn of protest. But the government here in Madrid shows no sign that it's ready to change its agenda of deep austerity. In fact, towards the end of this month, the economy minister, Luis de Guindos, will announce yet more economic reforms, and they could include plans to privatise the railways. Privatising Spain's railways would be a crime for some, but for the government it would provide vital revenue as it tries to balance its budget, a task which is made tougher as the economy here is in recession. Tom Burridge, BBC News, in Madrid. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, let me just say, from a from an economic perspective, it's, let's say they sell off the railroads. They're not going to get cash. No. They're going to get a bunch of accounts receivable for all practical purposes and a, a promissory notes and stock, which is not going to do anything for the budget. It's going to maybe balance some books if you're a good bookkeeper. But it seems to me this is to get more revenue. Well, they're not going to get any revenue from the trains once they sell them to some douchebag. Why don't they just raise the fare? They want revenue. Double the oh, price of oh, train no, tickets. I'll tell you why. Because in uh, in the UK, they already figured it out. You privatize and then you raise the fare. That's the way, you, that's the way to go. Yeah, to screw the public and yes. raise fares. And yes. then, then the government gets no benefit. It's just that, totally for some corporation. It's a are, corporatism thing. John, are you this con- is fascism at its base roots. Are you confusing uh, Europe's government with an actual uh, body that gives a crap about the people? Please tell me this is not true. I I've, must be. I must be dizzy. I go back to uh, when this program started in just before two thousand eight. We're now in our almost in our fifth year. Please we go our to fifth year coming up October twenty sixth. And we hope people would help us out by celebrating with a $51.30 donation. Dvorak.org slash NA. And I had just read the Lisbon Treaty and was astounded by the fact that these sovereign nations were going to have a European parliament with over 700 members who could sit in this, this Tower of Babel. In fact, the thing looks like the Tower of Babel. Yet, this body cannot bring laws to the floor. Only the undemocratically chosen commission can do this. We've always seen this as a takeover, and it's a takeover by corporations. It's, in fact, I think it's the same corporations um, who, um, you know, BASF and IG Farben. This is all the same thing. Nothing has changed since World War II, except, you know, you guys got, you know, better television now because we're, we're you know, we got satellites. So you can see, you know, our Kardashians. Right, and the production values have improved. Much more, much more improved. So it's the same thing. And um, and I'm reading all the reports now coming out of Europe um, that really do point to your uh, cycle theory coming to fruition in October. This October, in several weeks. Uh, what's your feeling? That you uh, you and uh, Horowitz look at this stuff all the time. Are you, are you feeling confident it's going to happen? Because we have either October, March, or next October. Yeah, those are the three. Uh, the- spots where something bad could happen well my thinking currently uh is that they might be able to stretch it into next year because of the by bringing in more of this quantitative easing now it has two effects one it definitely boosts the stock market i mean we're going to see the dow jones hit fourteen thousand, oh, yeah. despite oh, the yeah. fact oh, that we have is- no 
no manufacturing. Everybody's out of work. And, you know, it's just a mess. Gas prices are too high. I mean, there's no reason for this boom of the stock market. Well, yes, there is. It's so the elites can go rob us completely blind before it all crashes. <laughs> and then we're going to go buy our stuff, <laughs> grab well, our houses, buy, yeah. grab everything, and then, then, then it crashes. Isn't that the system? Yeah, that's the way it kind of it works okay. but whatever the case is they're gonna the market should be boosted and it might get us through october i mean there's the possibility the problem is the market is such it's not like really controllable i mean you can do the quantitative easing thing and pump money in but since they don't and i've thought about this too because i actually think i may have discussed this with the horowitz on the last dh unplugged the i think right during the show it came up with this i said but but the problem is is that they're you know you're trying to to duplicate what happened in 1850, which is should have been a down cycle in the in the 40 or 80 year cycle that we all like to talk about that of a cyclist like to talk about. Yeah. In 1850, nothing happened, and we didn't have a depression until 1857, which would be the equivalent of 2017 in this cycle. And the reason for that was gold. There was 30 trillion dollars in today's money of gold pumped into the economy. And that kept the thing at bay. But that's because that's we found same. it. That was because of the gold rush and people were digging that, it out of the right, ground, right? Right. And the difference is that it looks the same when you say, well, quantitative easing, we're just putting more money into the system, which gold was doing at the time. And by the way, it was blamed for it in 1857 when it was deconstructed. In 1857 was the first year that a whole slew of books came out on trying to analyze the Depression, which now it's very popular to do. Anyway, so that all this money went rushing into the system, and they're trying to push it into the system now to forestall the inevitable. The difference is, and it just dawned on me, that the difference back then was the people who got the free money, gold from the ground, was the public at large. Yeah, not not banks and mortgage companies. It wasn't companies. banks. Yeah. And so what, now the money's just going into the top, into the banks, and yes. we're just saving it. So that's not going to work to push off the problem. Unless we give everybody $30,000 or more a pop, <laughs> which I've said before, just give free money away, the way it was done in 1850. I, I would elect you for president so fast. I mean, I'd elect you for president of the Fed. I mean, you would be my guy. I just want yeah. my thirty grand, Dvorak. Hand yeah, it over. I would say you, right, exactly. And everybody <laughs> who voted for me would get thirty grand. They're, they're not going to do that. And, and, so and, and hookers and blow. Come on. Roll so it out. Gonna, this is going to fail. Well, of course, because the quantitative easing is, is buying up mortgage-backed securities, which are, is just a bailout of the banks. Exactly. Yeah, it's a scam. Hey, wait a minute. Just We're being ripped off. All right, so wow. here's yeah. So here's That's how you can a new discovery here on the No Agenda right, show. So here's how you can make some money. You want my tip? You've you you've 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 given your analysis. Now here's my tip: go out and buy as much silver as you can. And I'll tell you why. Um, J.P. Morgan has <clears throat> pretty much the market on silver on paper. Um, if they would ever have to actually deliver, they can't deliver. I don't think there's enough silver in the universe from them to deliver. <clears throat> And they are now being investigated. And I think J.P. Morgan Chase is going to, is, is targeted. I think they have been, tar for whatever reason, whatever they've done, maybe it's just Jamie Dimon is an a-hole. And I think that could be enough because you know, everyone, he's so smug and you know, now he's kind of gotten a little bit of trouble. I think they've been targeted. And uh, I predict this is, this is the bank that is going to go down first in um in the economic collapse whether it's october march or next october 
and they will not be able to deliver on all their silver futures. And if you hold silver, and I, I of course, I would say it'd be better to hold it uh, physically, but maybe there's some, you know, you can answer that, John, if there's stocks or mining stocks or ETFs or whatever you're supposed to have. I think silver could easily go to 60 from its 34 or 35 where it is today. Mm. What do you think? Good. I think you you have a re- I'd have to look uh, at what would happen if they were forced to uh, deal with the silver that they have contracts for. I, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Yeah, I think it was- I think your theories your theories on precious metals have <laughs> always been pretty accurate for some unknown reason. <laughs> it's not it's not based on expertise, that's for sure. <laughs> well, no, you know, a lot of people get they get they get some one hair up their butt. Yeah. Which is then they get really good at one thing about like, you know, there'll be somebody that really knows the auto industry and when to invest yeah. and when to sell. There's yeah. a couple of guys that are just Apple stock guys. That's all they do. They right. know when to buy, when to sell, when to buy, when to sell. Right. That's all they care about. Right. And they're good at it. So, and what I is, mean, I, you know, so yeah. I, I trust your judgment after the gold run up. Yeah, well, gold is now, what are we, we're back at 1770, 1772? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's back like up there. It's back. And remember I said I, uh, it was a buying moment. Of course, I had no money to buy anything, but I, at least I said it. Yeah, no, it's good. Somebody did, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I, always love it. I always love it. When our, I always love it when our producers, you know, hand over like a little sliver of gold. It's always nice. You know, I, I tuck it away. I'm like, this is great. You know, I'll have it. You know, we've got our, our, <clears throat> our shavings. Not savings, so, but shavings. Shavings. Yeah. Anyway, okay, well, we'll keep an eye on this whole thing. Yeah, but the silver thing uh, is based on two things. I think it was um, probably Max Kaiser who uh, led me down uh, to understanding that J.P. Morgan Chase has this huge exposure exposure to silver. And um, if you just look at what's happening, um, everywhere in the financial press are talking about uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, big investigation, big lawsuit, they're setting aside money for the fines they're going to have to pay. And I think just, you know, combined with the fact that Jamie Dimon, he already had that big, you know, the big whale who, who blew it on uh, some uh, uh, derivatives in London. I think the, the rest of the banking community just hate him. Just are just like, just, you know, because they're all evil. But they, just, they hate him so much that they're like, we're going to take you down. I think that's what's going on. And they will. If you got enough of these people, they will, and then you know, and then that silver market will just pop, and it could go to sixty. And it's cool because you can get in relatively cheap if you have any dough. You know, uh, people should watch the movie The International. I think it's the name of it. We've talked about this, yeah, with BCCI. It's a, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Anyway, uh, I have one last clip if you want to play it. It's just a kind of a random clip I picked up, and I think it's like uh, going to be thematic. It's on, again, this is on international news broadcasts. Democracy does not suit Islam. Uh, there's a lot of anti-Islamic uh, stuff going on around the world, and so they're bringing in more and more of this sort of thing. To so we're all skeptical, yeah. and. Uh, it's, it's interesting. An ultra-conservative Muslim group denied any involvement in the assault, but said it rejected what it saw as the imposition of democracy in Libya. From Benghazi, Wira Davis now reports. Libyans celebrating Martyrs Day as perhaps only they know best. With guns. In the city where the uprising against Muammar Gaddafi began, there are reminders everywhere of the huge sacrifices these people made to win their freedom. But there are some here who still refuse to lay down their weapons. Radical Islamist groups like Ansar al-Sharia 
say the fight for Libya is not over. Ominously, they completely reject a Western-style solution. They don't believe in the democratic system. Even those countries who pretend that they are ruled by democracy know that it's fake. We want to tell the whole world that the project of democracy is not for us, and it doesn't suit Islam. You know what I don't understand? Um, I think uh, Islam is really cool because when they celebrate something, they fire guns. <laughs> All over the place. And I think that, you know, this happens to be, in case you didn't know, this is... Uh, uh, constitu- we have a Constitution Week, uh, as proclaimed by our president. Of course, we had Constitution Day uh, earlier this week and Citizenship Day. This is Constitution Week 2012, and I think we should go out, you know, it's like, Hey, John, happy Constitution Week! Hey, hey, woo-hoo! 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 Why can't we do that? <laughs> That's so awesome. There's a number of people killed by random bullets like oh, that. Oh, well, yeah, well, yeah. Eh, so what? Yeah. So anyway, there's a belief now, and, and it's the couple of philosophers, uh, uh, the, one of the most famous ones is, that's very popular with the uh, with the kids, Zizek, who's out of uh, Slovenia, very uh, influential communist, supposedly he's communist, but he's not really. Uh, he, and he, him and his, he's got some enemy philosopher in France that's come out, and they, they're fighting with each other about... They both consider that no, that the real trend in the world right now is anti-democratic, and he and they both cite Europe as the best example. Well, yeah, <laughs> they just don't want democracy at all. They want they want fascism, which by yeah. the way has been a trend in Europe since the twenties. Yeah, because the, in 1920, in the in the early twenties, when fascism became a popular, it was an intellectual uh, uh, movement. movement. Mostly from the left, but it was an intellectual movement, and everybody thought it was a great thing because, and it was corporatism is what it amounted to, and we're starting to see that on a worldwide basis. It's we may be one of the last, except for the French, the French and us, and I think they probably influenced us on this more than anyone, are probably going to be the last bastions of true democracy if things keep going the way they're going, and we don't want to even admit or, or even face this possibility. So I think the and the reasons for that the French of course um, are actually well versed in democracy uh, the the democratic the the democratic system is is I kind of a you know a French the French a French guy wrote it if you will uh, they uh, are very well known for chopping off the heads of people who don't uh, who are leaders and uh, elitist and don't want to follow the democratic system and so they're just they understand it very well. In America, we are, of course, completely stupid, don't understand it anymore, uh, but we wrote this, you know, a couple of guys wrote this thing into our Constitution, which we celebrate this week, uh, about guns. And so there's nothing worse than having uh, 300 million crazy people with guns. So that's why we're going to keep that around. And I will mention one thing is that uh, JC pointed out, uh, Bus Kill Jr. pointed out, he says the one thing about the French is, even though they're they go very democratic. They do swing the other way, and they, uh, Napoleon will crop up, and it's always yearning for one of those guys <laughs> because they go out and kick butt. Yeah. So the French have a kind of a dichotomous view of the world. They first they, they like the democracy and the freedom, like this guy who did the cartoons that we talked about earlier. Right. But right. if they get a shot at a Napoleon, they'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Now then, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Swingers. That's those French. 
Those French. Yeah. All right, John, I think we should get out of here. Um, plenty of stuff to look into. Looking forward to our producers uh, sending us as much information as possible, certainly on what we're on the things that we're investigating. Uh, go to noagendanewsnetwork.com, post something there, or uh, put in your favorite RSS feed. And please help us out at Dvorak.org slash NA. Uh, we are really going to the mat for you, particularly on these uh, road shows, and we continue to hit everyone in the mouth. So we uh, appreciate your support. Right? Right, and we do appreciate the emails that we get occasionally from some of our producers that say, you know, I can't listen to the mainstream media anymore. I just start shouting at the TV. <laughs> well, oh, welcome shit. welcome to the club. That's how it rolls. <clears throat> Coming to you from uh, President Obama's back porch almost here in uh, Chicago, in uh, Illinois, I am Adam Curry in the morning to y'all. And from northern Silicon Valley where the... Uh, uh, yeah, it's starting to get wintry, I see. Uh, nuts. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back and we'll talk to you again on Sunday. Uh, hopefully from Camp Mofo, but certainly right here on No Agenda. The best podcast in the universe. It's almost too delicious to believe, my Dvorak. friend. Dvorak. Dot org.